Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I could not be more happy that you're with us today. we got a big show. I'll explain who's going to join. You know, normally we got Spielberger in here, but Spielberger uh, PFF'd us, I think, right here. He's still cool, right? Because I've seen, like, it's, this would be the third one that says, yes, everything is okay. And then the next year, they go, yeah, that guy's a jackass. I don't think we're going to go back on with him again. So no. there's no clue of that, correct? No, I think we're still good with Brad. I think he just couldn't make it on for today. Actually, I think this is the third because we started with Monson. And then I always ask him you two questions because he's from Ireland and he got tired of that. And then another dude, and then the guy that was the betting guy last year. And at the tail end, they always say, yeah, we had a great time, but, man, they sprint out of here. So just want to make sure. Spielberger's good? Yeah, he's good. We're good with him. Not good for today, however. Good for leading up to the Super Bowl. So uh, we will talk a lot of hoop. we got a lot of hoop going down tonight again. Got a Pacer game. We'll follow the news regarding uh, Halliburton. You know, obviously, it looks like he's going to return tonight. How much playing time he's going to get is going to be interesting. If you watched any NBA last night, and it was prevalent with a double dip on NBA TV, was really it was much better, much better than the college games. Anybody else? And maybe it's because of the Big Ten influence. Anybody else notice? And, and I'm glad because now this gives the opportunity on a Saturday, for example, on ESPN two. For my fighting trees to get on there. They were on ESPNU last week, ESPN2 against Drake coming up on Saturday. Dusty May is going to join me tomorrow, the Florida Atlantic head coach. It's given uh, his new conference and, and his team coming off that Final Four trip a lot more. By the way, too, man, what a gauntlet he's running through. There's no way, no way this season so far has been, I don't want to say last year was easy, but man, these guys are like winning by a possession every single night are the Owls, but Dusty joins us tomorrow. They're getting a lot more ESPN time, but maybe it's just me, and I know that it should be really easy. The Big Ten games a lot of times are difficult to find, and then not being able to go directly to a place 
Like, for example, on a Tuesday night, right, directly to a place. In the past, it was for IU and Iowa tonight, it would have been, you know, either ESPN, maybe ESPN2 or the Big Ten Network. And now you're thinking, all right, where is this thing going to be right here? You have to factor in Peacock, and it's all around. It's like a moving target. I know it's just something we have to get used to. And if you have asked, I am slowly but surely getting used to now the whole streaming access because I absolutely know this is the path we're going to go on. Sports fans, sooner rather than later, it is going to be pay-per-view everything. It's going to be like American Triple Ecstasy was in 1989. Yeah, if you want it, you're going to have to pay for it. I mean, it is fully coming here. This is just like an appetizer. This is for us and for the old farts like me to come kicking and screaming. But to ultimately get there and to dip our toe in and to get a feel, and then we make that normalcy. It's like a price tag on crackers. Not used to paying $2.99 for a box of townhouse, right? But now we're going to get used to it, and further down the road, it's going to seem like a bargain. Getting us used to stuff right now, and that's that's what... Everybody's getting as used to in the world of streaming services. And again, I know because I have I have somebody that lives way, way out in the woods. And if you don't have, you know, a great signal that can compromise your viewing. But I don't think they're worried about that right now. We're all coming and we're all coming kicking and screaming. A little collegiate hoop later on tonight. We'll talk about Greg Rakestraw is going to handle all that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Night number one of the girls' high school sectional play this evening. We're coming down the stretch run of the regular season with the fellas. I saw a shout-out to Carmel. I know everybody's going to say, yeah, that's what they need is a shout-out. Shout-out to Carmel for that upset win over Fishers. Man, things, things are going to get interesting here at the end of the regular season and into the sectional play for the fellas as well. So that is officially underway. We'll talk to Greg about that. And then collegiately, let's just face it, I mean, it really was a hell of a week. If, if I, you could jump on board and do something, like hit a three, hit some free throws, you know, like being able to shoot. <laughs> being able to shoot. It's one thing about threes, right? You don't make threes in a game. and You know, you play it archaically like – when when we watched it in the 80s and the 90s, which I love, but you know that that style rarely, if ever, is going to win. You're going to have to be able to balance things out. I mean, even if you are going down low and utilizing a big or a couple of bigs, you have to be able to balance it out a little bit with three-point shooting. That's just the era in which we're in. But the thing that has to burn you even more than the three-point shooting, and I guess it would stand to reason, would be just the parade to the free throw line and the missed free throws. <laughs> that drives you nuts. I heard Mike Woodson say last night to Don Fisher on the Mike Woodson show, uh, the IU Radio Network last night, that, hey, you know what, we practice these all the time. I don't know what the hell happens, which, you know, part of that probably is true. I can't imagine where Mike Woodson, even if you are as down on Mike Woodson as anybody in sports right now as an IU fan, and you feel like, I just brought up Dusty May, and I'm going to get like 19 X's of tweets about, hey, can you tell Dusty May that he needs to be here next year? 
I also know how a lot of you act and <laughs> selfishly. It'd be, you know, anything would be great for him as far as moving up, staying where he is, moving up or whatever. But yeah, I don't know if I'd want to have to deal with you guys on that particular personal level, game in and game out. But then no doubt, I mean, if you're Mike Woodson, it's a lot like you're you're right, ignoring your lack of three-point shooting ability and your free throw missing to um uh, I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I guess it's not like you're skipping over that, but he did mention that last night to Don. You know what? We shoot these all the time. We shoot, 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 and these guys just can't hit, hit, hit in games. And you guys all knew somebody, didn't you? You guys all knew somebody that just knocked it stiff in practice every single practice. Anybody who was a practice player and who was a game player? Some of you may have been both. Clearly, I wasn't good enough to be both. I could play in a game. But when it came to practice, it was like, all right, what are we doing here? We're doing the mic and drill again? Yeah, okay. I don't want to do the duck walk or your mic and drill. All right, I'm not going to go down low and use my footwork or anything like that. I'm going to stand out here, and you guys are going to give me a ball reversal, and then the defense is going to get caught late on a rotation, and I'm going to shoot this thing half-assedly wide open. Yeah, really tough coaching I'm giving right here. But there's no way that you ignore Like, I had a lot of people say, well, there's no way they're shooting this in practice because you would be seeing some sort be seeing some sort of, um, of positivity. You know, seeing an example of it working. They're showing you're working those games. But some people like that, they, they just are practice players. Some people are game players. You know, the really good ones are both, and they lead by example, which clearly was not me. But it's interesting to see that. Three-pointers, which you need to do, that would be one thing. But the free throws, when you're standing up there, and it's just like you, and really, that's repetition. And I know here I make things sound a hell of a lot easier than they actually are, and I get that because I probably would. I'd probably crap myself in front of 17,000 trying to put up a free throw right there, but I would have enough confidence in which at the same time as I crap myself, I would get it over the front of the rim and hit it. I can do two things at once. I can walk and chew gum, and I can crap myself and hit a free throw. It is just a mess. That's the thing that really amazes me. And players at that level that are highly regarded, highly recruited, that's all they do. I mean, you and I, this was just kind of like a hobby. Yeah, I got to go to practice. Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I want to go out there and shoot or if I want to stay on the phone with my girlfriend so that she can hang up on me and then talk to 19 other dudes. You know, these guys all have a high level of talent, and then they work at it, or they've had to have worked at it. It's an amazing thing. The free throw. Are you back in action later on tonight? We will talk about that. You know, I mentioned this to Jake. I heard his interview with Aaron Neesmith. We talked to Aaron Neesmith going back. It may have been in early December. I think, actually, they were in the end season. I think, yeah, I think it was at right before they had headed to Vegas for the in-season tournament and that semifinal matchup. I take that back. It was after it was after the Bucks game. 
It was on a Friday. They played the Bucks in that semifinal on a Thursday, and uh, they had a practice day on a Friday, played on a Saturday in Vegas again against the Lakers. It was that Friday. And we had Aaron Neesmith on, and he he can go on forever and keep you interested. And if you watch him play, this is what I said to Jake a little bit earlier, and Jake had mentioned to him that that he's his favorite player on the Pacers. And I would have to think that just basketball fans in general around here would probably feel the same way. Because if you're going to describe a basketball player, for example, that you would like your son or your daughter to play like. I mean, it's easy to say, well, I, you know, Steph Curry or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Jokic or Jamal Murray, Devin Booker. But if you want to scale it down from the elite of the elite in, in the NBA to somebody that does everything, and continues to do everything, who signed an extension and continues to do the things that we see and we notice, along with the little things that the coaches and obviously the front office and others that notice that maybe we don't. He is all-encompassing. He does it all. He'll pick up the best player defensively, He'll go down offensively, knock down a three. He'll take you off the dribble. He'll dunk. He'll make an extra pass. He'll get on the defensive glass when there might be a struggle or he has an advantage when his guy doesn't go and he is there. He'll help out on the glass on both ends. If he's not going at that moment, he'll defer to somebody that is. I mean, that is the type of all-around game that most people around here in the state of Indiana, it's how I grew up, would say, you know what? That's exactly how I want my son. That's exactly how I want my daughter to play. You do all of that. Now, it may not be eye-popping in the box score. Maybe you don't go extended stat sheet and see it just kind of flood to you about how effective and how important he is to this team. But if you're a basketball fan and you watch every single night, he'll give you a reason to say, yeah, you know what? I'm glad the Pacers got over on that deal. If you're looking for any value whatsoever and the Pacers putting value and bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, that's where you look at the value right there. That is the good fortune. If we're around here looking for good fortune, and I bring this up all the time because it's been fleeting, it's been few and far between with the Pacers and the Colts of the past, and really collegiately speaking, you might have a moment or two of good fortune and then about five or six minutes of bad luck. It's just the way that it's gone around here. But incredibly good fortune that Aaron Neesmith was deemed available because they had too many players in Boston. He couldn't find clock. He couldn't get into the game. He's like hanging out on the bench. Then he comes here with this group and he is unleashed. And it makes, to me, it makes a lot of sense why he would be your or Jake's or anybody else's favorite player. There are not a lot of things on the basketball floor that he does not add positively to, and that's what you're looking for. 
I mean, Siakam's going to score. Halliburton's going to be the elite-level player you expect. You expect from Aaron Neesmith just a lot of the other things, and it might be something different every night. You know, maybe one column is not as robust as the other column. But he is going to bring it for you and to you. And again, being around here, I've done this show for 19 years. I've been around Indiana all my life right here. When anybody describes what they really like in any sort of player, in whatever level you're talking about, oftentimes that is exactly how you would describe that player. Aaron Neesmith. I'm sure the podcast is up, 1075thefan.com. He is always a really good conversation. All right, uh, Evan Sidery going to be here coming up, a little basketball conversation. You know, we had Chad Buchanan on yesterday. I, and frankly, I just asked him. I said, hey, um, what are the odds here you guys are going to do a little something prior to the trade deadline? And I'm okay sitting here if they don't. Because we have not had a good enough look-see about what they have together. And I'd ask him that, and he said, I don't even know if we can get a load of what we have together even prior to the trade deadline. And he had mentioned going out after Siakam, and they've already done something big. So it's, he, he mentioned he doesn't really, really think that there's anything else happening. I mean, obviously, he does not shut the door completely, as any really savvy, smart general manager would do. I asked him if any of these expiring contracts had a, a, an expedited bearing or a hasty bearing on whether or not they feel the need to do something at the trade deadline, and he answered no. And that was my thought going in, that they were done, and even with the expiring deals, they want to see this group together. Now, I'm not trying to make this group out of being a one seed or a two seed. And who knows? I mean, in Boston later on tonight, Boston had a tussle last night with New Orleans. So we'll see if that did anything to the legs coming up later on tonight. Now, this is on TNT and dude, the dudes are supposed to play when games are on TNT. This is a standalone TNT. So maybe that's going to be a difference for all hands on deck. But again, they did play last night and we shall see. I'm not expecting the Pacers to be or to challenge for that, but to be much better. Absolutely. And I kind of like the way all these guys fit right now. And we just simply put, haven't seen enough of it together. I was going yesterday with regarding Obi Toppin. I, I want to see more. I like him coming off the bench. He has added a great deal off the bench to me. And this is not the, this, at times, it kind of seemed like he was over the whole New York thing. If you remember, they set guys toward the end of the season a year ago. He came in in a couple of different games, put up 30-plus. But it was the 30-plus, like, all right, he's playing on this team, but then once things really get serious, like he'll do this against the Pacers who aren't doing anything in the postseason, and he'll do this at the end of the regular season, but once the postseason is underway, then he's not going to get these minutes, he's not going to get this opportunity, and you could kind of see that in him. But here he fits on the floor, he fits coming off the bench, and he fits the mold of the rest of these teammates. And again, we haven't seen enough of all of it. I know we live in a world where everybody wants to see a trade. Everybody is excited. Sports arousal about deals and free agency and 
you know, out with the old and in with the new. I don't necessarily believe that you have to be hasty in making such a decision prior to the trade deadline. And again, I would be shocked if the Pacers did. If you missed Chad Buchanan yesterday, the Pacer general manager, podcast1075thefan.com. Evan Sider is going to join us in hour number two. Brooks Barnheiser is an interesting story. If you guys watch Northwestern, I told you about Northwestern last week, that overtime win in Evanston over Illinois. Uh, Brooks Barnheiser is a junior, I believe now. And he has slowly, each and every year, improved in all aspects. And I knew him when he was really little. Uh, His dad is and has been one of the best high school basketball coaches in the state of Indiana. At any point, at any time, he will bring out of you, he will bring out of you what you don't think you have in you. Now, rubbing some the wrong way, sure. That's what coaches do. But as good a high school basketball coach and certainly as a player was as good as anybody. And you can see you can see that translation with him as a player and a coach, and you can see it embodied in his son, Brooks Barnheiser. He does a little bit of everything for Chris Collins. It is interesting, too, because he's from Lafayette, played high school basketball at Lafayette Jeff. Evidently, there was not enough room for him with the Boilers. He ends up in Evanston. And by the way, that has been a fantastic fit for him. I believe the second leading scorer, you know, Boo Booey, you know, is the go-to guy there. He plays off of him, but he does a little bit of everything for Chris Collins. Guys like Ty Berry on that team, too. Northwestern having a really good season and a bit of a homecoming for Brooks Barnheiser with Northwestern coming up tomorrow night at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette as the Wildcats take on Purdue. And Brooks is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We will talk about that. And the one thing that you may notice, if you haven't watched or if you remember seeing him last year or even two years ago and you see him right now, is my man got in the weight room in the offseason. You can tell that somebody told him, you know what? To do what you do in the Big Ten, you're going to have to get stronger. And he did just that. Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern is going to join me coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll discuss going back to Lafayette. We'll discuss what led him to Northwestern and the evolution of that Northwestern Wildcats team for the better. Certainly as of late, Brooks Barnheiser coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got three doors down. No. Third Eye Blind. See, I made that mistake yesterday. Third Eye Blind tickets to give away. Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center coming up in the summertime, too. Third Eye Blind tickets to give away when you hear a Third Eye Blind reentry a little bit later on. All right, the stream, the app. Uh, you got us inside the lounge, the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live, and a shout-out to them. Save me on Friday when a canyon-like pothole tried to take me out. Take the vehicle out. It got the tire, got the wheel. But AAA, especially this time of year, if you look at the pothole map in and around Indianapolis, um, it looks like a really bad pimply face, and that's not good. Like a really, really bad, like, hey, you <laughs> you better grab the Stridex and pound that thing. That's what it looks like. It is bad, bad news for tires 
uh, and wheels and your vehicles. But the good news is AAA always has your back. The sponsor of the lounge via YouTube Live. Stream the app. It's HD Radio as well. Greg Rakestraw is going to get us up to date on absolutely everything. Big one tomorrow on the road for Indiana State and Nashville against Belmont. And then an even larger game coming up on Saturday at home against Drake. And Drake already beat them once in the Mo Valley. Not to talk about the Greg Rakes are all coming up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. If you want to go ahead and load up on the phones at 239-1070, you absolutely can. Anything I've talked about so far, we can play off of that. Pacers, Celtics later on tonight. IU Hoops tonight. Thoughts? Is this kind of the last stand or is that last stand for the Hoosiers over? That and more coming up with me on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. Evan Sattery talks NBA coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. But are you in action? Pacers, Celtics in Boston tonight. Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern with Northwestern and Purdue coming up tomorrow night in Mackey. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline right now. Friend of the show, Greg Rakestraw joins us. I I feel this. I'm going to talk to Brooks a little bit earlier. You did some of his games at Lafayette, Jeff, and we've watched him over the past uh, two years and now his his third year, his junior year in Evanston, evolve into the type of player he is right now. I, I always thought that that was perfect for him. But there's also part of me that kind of wondered, for example, what he may look like, you know, playing for Matt Painter at Purdue. What did you think? You know, it, it, it's a it's a fair question. I think he wanted to go a little further away from home. Obviously, not too far away. So mom and dad come watch him play. But I'm not sure that that he wanted to stay in Purdue. And frankly, you know, because he wasn't exactly a late move in, uh, because he spent a lot of his formative years not at Indiana. Maybe he was kind of late getting on the radar. Um, frankly, maybe because, you know, his dad didn't have the greatest experience at Purdue. He wasn't going to go to Purdue either. Uh, I don't know. Um, and, and given how crowded the roster is with Indiana talent at Purdue, maybe the better question is, what would he have looked like if he had played at Indiana University? They could use a player uh, of his talents right now. But more importantly, he's a good kid, and I'm really happy for him. But he's had such a great experience at Northwest. Yeah, he's been really a part of, even more a part of this Chris Collins evolution of this team. And you know what? They're one of these teams of the Big Ten where you, you kind of write the Big Ten off compared to, you know, years here recently in the past about, you know, how many teams they're going to get in. But they are one team in the Big Ten right now that kind of, you know, is stepping up and, and staking its claim on a spot in this NCAA tournament. It looks like the Big Ten's getting five or six, and they are one of those five or six. And obviously they have a win that is like gold, having beaten Purdue back on December the 1st. The rent may be due on that coming up later this week, knowing that uh, they've got the Boilermakers coming up. Uh, But at the same time, um, I think they're a tournament team. And it it isn't lost on me either that Chris Collins keeps recruiting this area and recruits it well, whether it was Brian McIntosh, whether it's Brooks Barnheiser, uh, now K.J. Wyndham from Ben Davis heading that way. Um, things go well when you recruit the state of Indiana, it seems. 
So Greg Gregstraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Brooks Barnheiser, by the way, joins us in the 5 o'clock hour of Northwestern. So Iowa and Indiana, you know, it's one thing to talk about IU and their lack of three-point shooting prowess and, and going in a game in which they were actually in and competitive and not hitting a three is amazing in this era of basketball alone. But the thing that really stands out to me is the free throw shooting. It is absolutely atrocious for a team with that type of talent at that level. So even more than three, you need three-pointers, but the free-throw shooting, this is just a really bad shooting team unless you're about a foot away from the basket. Correct. And again, in an era where you are not locked into guys for four or five years, when you can go out and flip the roster and literally talent goes to the highest bidder, and I, you could be one of the highest bidders, it is, it is, you know, jaw-dropping that this team has such struggles shooting the ball or that you don't have a shooter or two to complement what is clearly a roster of talented post players that has been assembled by Mike Woodson and staff. You know, I mentioned that loss to 10th-ranked Illinois over the weekend, and that was on Saturday in Champaign. Khalil Ware, I saw where Jeff Ravjohns mentioned Khalil Ware, that he's expected to play tonight. If, if Ware plays in that Illinois game, I think obviously there would be more of a chance, but would you give them more than that puncher's chance to win the game if he would have participated, or would it probably have gone the same sort of way? I, I think somewhere in the middle. You, you Clearly they're a better team with him. But, again, he doesn't exactly spell what ails them right now. You know, they've got guys that can kind of replicate his skill set. They are not, you know, they're not hurting for post players. They look like a team that's built to play in 1985. They'd have a good chance against, you know, the Hoya Paranoia teams of, uh, of Ewing, Graham, et cetera, where it was big, 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 big. you got to have some shooting. And, obviously, at this point in time of the season, I'm not sure that's going to get rectified between now and the middle of March. Um, other than just getting a win and being 12-8 and eight with both teams, is there anything else in this matchup down in Bloomington tonight with Iowa and Indiana that's on the line? Yeah, you're trying to stack wins. Um, you know, the benefit of playing in a, in a Power 5 conference, even if – this conference is down, and the ACC is down, and the Pac-12 is down. You and I both know the Valley's not suddenly getting three bids this year. Maybe they might. You never know. Um, the Mountain West will take some more bids than usual. But you still have a better chance if you're the sixth or seventh place team in a league like the ACC or Big Ten to get in. And so if you're both Iowa and Indiana – you know, it's like the old line from Bull Durham, you know, winning is like better than losing. So find a way to win the game. At least you can say, hey, here's another win for our resume because it beats the alternative of losing to a team that probably is in the same boat that you are. Here's Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We know Tony Perkins really well from Lawrence North yep. and having a good season, especially over the last 10 games, almost 18 points a game. The type of issue he poses for this IU defense tonight. You know, he could be all over the floor, uh, you know, from my literal standpoint. And so happy for him to get to the 1,000-point club because he was a kid that kind of blew up late in the recruiting circuit. And, again, I reference this for Northwestern. Obviously, you know, Sherm Dillard has, has kind of led that charge in terms of recruiting this state in his days of working for Fran McCaffrey at Iowa. You know, he didn't land uh, Xavier Booker. He landed Tony Perkins four years earlier. And that was a kid that really – you know, the, the AAU circuit between his junior and senior year is what led him getting that opportunity. And it wasn't the greatest senior class. It was obviously the COVID year, sir, but everything kind of got cut short. But I'm not sure people really knew what to expect or thought he was a 
a Big Ten caliber player or a kid that would make a difference on an upper-end Big Ten team, and that he has turned into. So um, the fact that, that he can, you know, whether it's creating his own shot, shoot the basketball, he is such kind of a jack-of-all-trades player. You could see him doing a variety of things for the Hawkeyes tonight. Meantime, Greg, on Saturday, let's just face it, Butler kept their hopes alive in the Big East. That double overtime went in Hinkle over Villanova, which uh, is of high importance. Now you go back-to-back, 13th-ranked Creighton Friday night, and then next week, a week from tonight, on the road against UConn. you got to have one or it's certainly two of those will be great. You have to have one or two. You just can't go O for two. Is that how you view this with those two games? Again, because there's such depth in the Big East, I, I don't. It, your life is a lot easier with one of those. I don't think you're going to win both of them. Um, but if you if you can win one of them, it gives you an opportunity. Um, and it's 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 the same thing you would say about Indiana and Iowa. Again. You, you 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 beat Villanova, who frankly was kind of ahead of uh, in the pecking order in terms of Big East teams talking about the NCAA tournament than you were. Um, you just got to keep stacking wins, and if you do that, given the caliber of competition of the Big East, you're going to be at those are you know quad one wins aplenty are available, and in a year where again in other power conferences there is not the depth that there has been. It gives Butler an opportunity to be in the dance. So um, winning one of those is great. I still think even some mandatories because, again, there's such depth in that in that league. There's great chances to get those Ws all the way into mid-March. He's Greg Gregster on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We have talked about this a couple of different times. You get Indiana State overtime over Bradley on Saturday. Uh, 18 and three and nine and one right now atop the Missouri Valley and and you brought up the power conferences again not being as robust as we have seen. I still operate and maintain that they have to win in St. Louis in March. Have they already blown a potential at large with losing on the road at Drake or might there be an outside chance if they from here on out run the table regular season wise and have a good showing in St. Louis that they can receive an at large I think if they can get to 18 and 2 in the league so one more loss and then maybe make the championship game again circumstances surrounding them kind of open up this opportunity but here is the number that, to me, is the most important number for Indiana State. John, have you looked at the net rankings today as to where Indiana State slots in? I have not. Am I about ready to seize the moment with a sports arousal with what you're about uh, to tell I, me? I, th- I, I think you will have a sports Chubbs Peterson <laughs> on this one. Um, tell me 24th. all about it. <laughs> they're, they're 24th, John. Whoa. I mean, that's, that's really impressive. That doesn't mean they're going to be a 6 seed. That's not the way it works. Right. But in the most valuable metric that, that the tournament committee uses, they're looking really good. We talk about AP polls and coaches' polls and stuff like that. I tend to agree with you. Just win the darn thing and not to sweat it out for a week. But they are starting to get to the territory where they are at least being talked about as an at-large contender. And because that's the case five or six weeks out, that means there's a chance it might be happening, John. All right. So, uh <clears throat> Before I go jousting here, Greg, I'm I'm curious. I remember last year, and Dusty May just started coming on the show. 
because all of a sudden Florida Atlantic went was was on a run, going on a run, and then obviously I'm not suggesting at all there is a mirror reflection or an image of Indiana State to Florida Atlantic. I'm just telling you how I feel. All of a sudden they started getting run and started getting talked about, and they continued to win, and they have players that play a fun style of together basketball, much like Indiana State does. Are there might there be any you think connections, relatables between last year and FAU and what we saw this time of year compared to where the Sycamores are this time of year this year? I think the most important connection you can make is one you're not supposed to make, but we're human beings. And so that is the people that are on the selection committee are not supposed to be thinking about the history, not supposed to think about the names on the front of the jersey, but it's impossible not to when you think, hey, a team who at the time I believe was in Conference USA – uh, makes the final four and and makes a deep run, maybe that potentially validates a team from a similar league. And I would argue the Valley would have been a better league than Conference USA last year. I think they were in Conference USA and not the American. My apologies if I'm getting the league wrong. I think they're in the American now. Um, but, but I think it makes it perhaps easier to take an additional mid-major or two compared to the eighth-place team in a league that by all standards is a bit more mediocre this year. I think that's the connection that is important to be made. Now, in terms of kind of the DNA of this Indiana State team, one of the things we have said is they they have all the pieces that if they get in the tournament as likely a 10, 11, or 12 seed, that's one you go, hey, um, they can be playing to the second weekend of the tournament. This Indiana State team has all of that feel. It's got to get there first. So Greg Raystraw, he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I want to get back to Matt Painter and then move on to the high school schedule I'm sure you have beginning tonight and the rest of this week. But Matt was asked the question about Braden Smith not making the 2024 Bob Cousy Award list. His quote was, it was like the Indiana High School sectional. I think they just drew it out of a hat. Did Braden Smith get jobbed in that category for not getting that type of nominee um, recommendation and, and the fact that he's not in that running for that Koozie Award? It is a wonderful motivational chip for, for, for he and for Matt Painter. And I, and I don't think that because he was on the midseason watch list doesn't mean he's not eligible for the award. But you and I both know athletes look for every single source of motivation they can find, especially when we get kind of the dog days of the season. And again, as, as you and I have probably belabored the point, you know, what's more important right now to me about Purdue is where they are seated and the fact, you know, are they on the path that takes them from Indianapolis to Detroit so they can be as close to home as possible before then going to the Final Four. I don't really care about the Big Ten regular season. I don't care about the Big Ten turn. If they win them, great. But I've seen that record before. I want them playing better basketball, and I want them to be playing a bit of combination of pissed off and angry. And if this is the thing that makes them feel that way for the next week or two, then it's manna from heaven for Matt Painter and for his team. All right, so you got girls sectional play that begins later on tonight at various spots around the state. Stretch run for the fellas during the regular season. Where do we begin with your schedule, and what interests you about this time of year? My schedule for ISC is this, because a lot of the boys, some of the boys' teams played last night, but there was a lot of, a lot of makeup games in the last couple of weeks, so something got snowed out. 
uh, called it out, et cetera. So there were a handful of games last night. Uh, the game that I have Thursday night will be Lawrence North and Carmel as Carmel tries to beat the number one team in the state for a second consecutive game. They handed Fishers their first loss of the season on Saturday night, 54-46. to Lawrence North is now one of two unbeaten teams in the upper echelons of 4A, Greenfield Central being the other one. Lawrence North and Fishers are going to split the number one rankings in a couple of different polls. It's now all LN after getting uh, after Fishers lost. And so Carmel, who had really struggled early, now they have won four consecutive games. Can they do it again? That's my game on Thursday night. On Friday night, we will have a girls' sectional semifinal, which teams to be determined, but the likely participants are LN and LC. Lawrence North, I want to say, is ninth in the state this week. LC is number one, and I have told this story in a variety of interviews. Lawrence Central has a, has a core of players and our sophomores and juniors um, that are program changers for Lawrence Central. They are number one in the state. They have won 23 games. They won the Marion County Tournament for the first time. Their lone loss is to a team from Kentucky. John, they have not won a postseason game since 2001. Not a sectional, a game. They have lost 22 consecutive postseason games. Yet they're 23-1, and and they're number one in the state. And they and LM, the big rivals, play each other. The last four times they have played, John, the margins are a combined seven points. So whatever you're doing on Friday night, if you can't get to Cathedral, we'll have the game for you on ISC and my TV. And a reminder, all sectional and regional games, both girls and boys basketball, are free streams at IHSAATV.org. You got anybody in mind for the girls to reach the uh, what uh, is going to be the finals, basically, in each class? Anybody come to mind? Well, obviously, Lanesville is the defending champions, John. I can't let that one slide. Um, and they are, <laughs> yes. last, that I, last that I checked the SAGA ratings, they were, they were number 35 in the state of everybody. Um, they're really good at the 1A level, and, and they're 22-1 and one heading into the postseason. Um, you know, in terms of 4A, again, whoever comes out of that LCLN group, Hamilton Southeastern's got some talent in 3A, Indian Creek, Get your attention with Faith Wiseman. She was one of the IBCA players of the week this week, and she's heading to play at Indiana University. So, uh, But probably my interest is probably most dedicated to 1A and 4A as we speak. There you go. Greg Rakestraw's all about this time of year with us via the Andy Moore. Automotive Group Potline, and always a solid request every single Saturday night. So. What is the theme this Saturday, my friend? Oh, well, they call it whatever, but I'd like to keep the whatever dialed down because then it goes all over the place. So we'll stick where where normalcy prevails on the 80s, 70s, and a little bit of 90s if you want to mix it in, something like that. Frank, Zappa, and Gore back-to-back. Got it. Okay. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I look for your call. See you. So Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right there. So, coming up in February, right? It's the 29th today or the 30th? It's the date. Today's the 30th. So, coming up in the month of February, it is a significant 10-year anniversary of something. This particular something didn't turn out to be so great. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? 10-year anniversary. I'm going to ask James, how old were you 10 years ago? Like five? Uh, I was 17. 17. Well, he's be old enough to know. 
10 years ago next month, it was a big deal, and <laughs> it didn't work out well at all after that. Big break. I'll tell you about it. Evan Sidery, top of the hour. Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern coming up after 5. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Gregstraw getting everybody updated. Collegiately, Iowa, Indiana tonight. Northwestern Purdue tomorrow. Indiana State Belmont tomorrow. I think uh, Michael Lewis has got a big one coming up this week, too, up at Ball State. Butler Friday night. Butler's on the road at Creighton. That's a 9 o'clock start coming up on Friday night. Evan Sidery, more on the Pacers and the Celtics coming up here. Evan's going to join us at the 4 o'clock hour. Brooks Barnheiser, former Lafayette Jeff standout, of course, now a junior at Northwestern, and the Wildcats playing much better. Northwestern at Mackey against Purdue coming up tomorrow night. I did mention, too, uh, Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, joins us on the show coming up tomorrow. Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, joins us on the show on Friday. Also, back nine, Michelob Ultra on Thursday. So that's Thursday afternoon, three until six. You play NBA Jam with us at back nine. Have some ice cold McUltras and the high score. The winner will advance to the finals with the opportunity to win an NBA Jam arcade game of your own. And just endless amounts of great tickets to shows around here. Thanks to Michelob Ultra and our friends at Zinc. Back nine, Thursday at three o'clock. And that is going to be a blast. And by the way, if you win, if you're the champion, not only do you advance to the finals on Thursday, but if you get the high score, you'll win those Nike Air throwback courtside Michelob Ultra shoes, which are absolutely outstanding. So a lot for you coming up on Thursday. And that's at the back nine, just off of Morris Street. We go there all the time. Absolutely love it. Coming up on Thursday, I'll see you there. And really, if you're good at NBA Jam, man, take a shot. The shoes are awesome. You advance to the finals. Who knows what the hell will happen? Uh, My man, Corey, says driving from Toledo to uh, South Bend. That's awful. Ugh. Driving from Toledo to South Bend, dodging potholes like landmines. It looks around here. If you look at the pothole list, or they'll show potholes here in and around Indianapolis, it looks like an acne-ridden face. It is not good. Lock it into AAA right there. Yeah, what I mean, I'll bring this up coming up in a minute, too. I kind of teased 10 years ago in February a moment that all of you um, probably stands in infamy, to be honest. Uh, JJ's at 239-1070. JJ, jump on here before the top of the hour. How are you? Daymar, Daymar, Daymar. You just used the word sports arousal. I did. I, I wasn't allowed to use that. I thought it was jacking around. the words. I thought it was jacking around. JJ and Muncie, I thought it was jacking around. Well, it was sports arousal. (laughs) That was one of the words. 
But we'll go back. You can check it. But sports around the world. If not, I got Daymar this week. My man. <laughs> My man, JJ. Thanks for keeping track, though. Hey, I do appreciate that. My man, JJ, right there. A little TSL for the big fella in the afternoon right here. I dig it. Dig it. Um, It was a photo. A photo that was infamous. We knew that at the time, and then especially understood that after the fact. Ten years ago in February. I don't know how much of a celebration. We'll laugh and giggle about it now. But it was a hell of a storyline back then. Quick break. We'll come back. Evan Sidery, top of the hour. We'll get to Brooks Barnheis in the 5 o'clock hour. Tickets to win, too, coming up. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Get there. Get there and soak up what is the handsome and chiseled features, the incredible hair. And the love affair that we have to this day with Rax Roast Beef. Thank you very much. I've got the shirt rocking Rax. I know Rax still located in Ohio. My friend Romy goes over there. He and Sarah will bring back some Rax sandwiches for me. But I am rocking the Rax and I will not rest. I will not sleep. This is a can't-miss business idea around here. I've never met anybody, nobody, that has said, you know what? Rax sucked. Rax wasn't any good. You bring that back, it's going to be a cash cow around here. I don't know if you can. I don't know if there's a capability. But if you do, and it's not going to be like other reboots. There have been some really bad Reboots. Now, I'll give you a great example. Like, independently speaking, I was a huge fan in Bloomington of McCree's Deli. Love McCree's Deli. McCree's Deli out in Jackson Creek Shopping Center, basically where that Kroger is now. That was always the place we would go before we actually went out. That's where we pre-gamed. McCree's Deli. Awesome. And then if you remember, probably 10-plus years ago, they tried to reboot that, and it was a mess. Didn't last very long, poof, and gone. So I know sometimes you can't reboot something and then relive the greatness. I mean, look at all these films that have rebooted. I talked about Roadhouse, right? Look at all. Footloose, Red Dawn, Shaft, all these reboots that fail. But this one with Rax, it's a hell of an idea. If you got deep pockets out there, think about it. Ten years ago in February, ten years ago in February, now it was later on in the month, but we are approaching the 10-year by-the-month anniversary of a season gone haywire because of a lot of things, including a GQ photo. February 2014, the Pacers graced the pages of GQ 
I believe it actually came up. It was announced in February, but it finally popped in GQ in March. Remember when we were asked, what do you think of the picture? And, and you knew, you knew that it was going to go haywire. There are a lot of other reasons why, don't get me wrong, but this was like at the top of the list of haywire reasons. You got David West, towel around his neck, got that badass look. You got George Hill with his shirt all the way unbuttoned down to his belly button. And Paul George just kind of standing there in the front. You got Hibbert in the back. And then you got Lance with a towel around his neck as well, head on backwards. The GQ photo shoot. We are approaching now in the month of February, the 10-year anniversary. How do we celebrate that? And you're right, Randy. Tim Hortons did only last four months in India. You're right about that. That was a bad reboot, too. Yes, Randy. Thank you. How do we celebrate 10 years of the GQ Pacers photo shoot? Is it enough just to say never, ever think about doing anything like that again? Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern in the 5 o'clock hour. Pacers Celtics coming up in Boston later on tonight. And joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon, you catch his work at Forbes Sports. Uh, previously, basketball news, SB Nation, he's all about it in terms of the NBA as we approach the trade deadline, I believe, a week from Thursday. The work that has been done, the work that could be done, and where the Pacers are moving forward. Evan Sidery joins us now. Hello, Evan. How are you? Doing great, John. How about yourself? You remember the uh, unraveling in 2014 with the Pacers GQ photo shoot? All too familiar, honestly. I was a junior in high school then, and that was a fun time for me, but also a fun time for the Pacers. And you gotta gotta think back to that photo. And I was appalled in the moment by that. I don't know why they did that, and the bad mojo off of that. It was just a a, a weird, weird little chapter, little tidbit to that Pacers. Oh yeah, it. Uh, you look back on that, and you do not look on that glowingly. What so stinking ever, at all, nothing. But uh, interesting, uh, ten-year anniversary forthcoming here next month. All right, Evan, uh, we get Pacers in Boston coming up later on tonight. I want to talk about that. I talked to Chad Buchanan, the Pacer general manager, yesterday. I happen to think they're done. I think even with these expiring contracts, they're going to kind of sit going into the trade deadline. They want to see what they have right now when everything finally comes together and is able to healthy play with one another. That's what I gathered from him in that conversation yesterday. What do you think? I'm I'm right there with you. And I think the only way they make any sort of move, and I still think it's unlikely, it's based off his relationship with Tyrese Halliburton, but Maybe they could flip Buddy Heald, his $19 million expiring contract, into a defensive wing or into another kind of win-now player for this postseason run. But if he can get a slump out of the slump he's in right now, he's just having a career-worst stretch right now over the last couple of weeks. But also, I think the emergence of Ben Shepard over that same time frame, John, I think is really important here. He's looked fantastic over the last week or so, and he's really actually biting into Buddy's minutes a little bit. And he's actually playing around the same minutes as Buddy Heald per game. So, you have to wonder maybe after the All-Star break, does Ben Shepard keep getting more and more minutes? And where does Buddy Hill kind of fit in the mix with Tyrese not getting back to the lineup there? That's the only move I could potentially think of making. But with the way they're playing, the way they're playing without Tyrese Halber on top of that with Pascal Siakam in the lineup now, they probably stand pat, I imagine. Yeah, I just – you know what? I even asked him, are you going to be able to see enough prior to the trade deadline? He said no. 
I just kind of think, and I also ask him if he felt like they needed to get something done because of the expiring contract nature of three other guys, and they didn't feel it necessary. I just think they want to see what that they have, and it's going to be longer. It's going to take longer to see that when it's all healthy and together than the time that they have prior to the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't think you're really going to see a full version of this pitch team 100% chemistry until after the All-Star break, which is still another month or so away. And that's, I think, when you're going to see a true kind of feel of where this Pacers team can be. They're playing fantastic, fantastic over the last couple of weeks without Tyrese Halbert in the lineup. Pascal Siakam has looked everything as I thought he would and more since he's joined the team. And now you get Tyrese back in the lineup there. It's going to be a dynamic one-two punch when they're consistently back in the lineup together. And you see these young guys emerging. Obi Top and Jalen Smith are playing fantastic, as has Ben Shepard. I think you're going to see this team really take up a notch. With their, they're the third easiest schedule in the NBA, John, over the last – 30 or so games. So if they can take advantage of the stretch coming up here, get through this without Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to be back tonight, of course. I think this Pacers team, their big addition it was Pascal Siakam, and now it's just all about getting that chemistry with him and Tyrese Halliburton. No, I, I agree, too. And, um, yeah, obviously they they rallied without Halliburton over a stretch when it was predicted. And I thought, man, this is going to get really ugly. And the fact that they sustained against Philly and then that come-from-behind win on Friday against the Suns and, you know, really what was kind of a, a bare-knuckle brawl on Sunday against Memphis. I mean, really, I didn't think that they were going to get all those. And the fact that they did really – Really bodes well for now the return of Halliburton and getting him back in the mix here uh, and getting more minutes further down the road. Yeah, I think the really the big turning point for me just seeing the Siakam-led Pacers team now was when they snapped that losing streak against the Philadelphia 76ers where I think his teammates even realized in that game, Pascal Siakam is an all-NBA level player. Just get the ball in his hands every possession. He's going to either get you the ball via passing or he's going to go score by himself. And that triple-double and that huge win over Philadelphia who was right in their own win streak the next night to come back and beat a loaded Phoenix Suns team with Booker going for 62 points. I think it just kind of showed them without their superstar player in Tyrese Halliburton that they could be a legit legit playoff threat this year. And now with Tyrese back in the lineup, I do think that they're going to make a lot of noise. And I think this huge stretcher coming up here before the All-Star break, to get Halliburton and Siakam some minutes going together, that's the big key here. I think they can keep them the winning ways going here, John. I think they're going to be in a really good spot potentially vault into that top five, top four range. Yeah, they've had some interesting moments, Evan, this season with the Celtics. I mean, a, a what, a 50-point blowout, and then really their, their signature game, if you want to call it that, that Monday night that vaulted them into the semifinals of that first in-season tournament, and then losing Halliburton and sustaining. There have been some signature moments. So what's your expectation for this matchup tonight in Boston? I'm expecting, I mean, because the Pacers have have had their moments. I mean, we saw last year Tyrese Halliburton go for his monster game in Boston. He usually always does well. But we know Rick Carlisle mentioned today, talking with Kevin, there's going to be a minutes restriction tonight with Tyrese. So I do think that we're not going to see maybe more than 20, 25 minutes from him. I would lean more towards Boston this matchup. They need this kind of win. They've been kind of inconsistent as of late. And it's a primetime matchup for them in Boston. I would lean towards Boston this one. But I'm going to be very curious to see how a guy like Siakam really helps out against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because the Pacers have an Aaron Neesmith who can guard one of those guys. But now with, I would imagine, Siakam guarding Jason Tatum tonight. Siakam on defense has been underrated throughout his career, and I think you're going to see tonight a locked-in Siakam against Jason Tatum and kind of what could be a playoff preview matchup in the semifinals if it gets to that point in April or May. 
where these two teams could lock horns once more. Hey, what's been your impression of this Pacer team since they made that switch? And we'll see. I know that there was a, a back situation with, with Jalen Smith, but not drastically better. But their defense has been better, certainly, since Jalen Smith was vaulted into the starting lineup. What do you make of that group since that point in time? Yeah, it really is Jalen Smith, Andrew Nemhard also getting healthy and, and getting back to that lineup. He's been huge on the defensive end, too. And you have you're, now you're starting to add in some really good, solid, non-negative defenders into this rotation with Siakam, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nemhard, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. You can put a lot of good, talented defensive players around Halliburton and not really worry about much. And that was kind of the main goal about building this team was having a lot of plus defenders who can shoot. And that's exactly what the Pacers have now around Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam. And I think this is a now a consistent, I would say, if they're even a top 20 defense, if they're just not terrible. We, they, they've shown already this year how dynamic their offense is. It's on a historic pace already. That's one of the top five all time. If they can just be average on defense, I think they're going to be a nightmare in the postseason. They're going to run teams off the court, and all I have to do is make a couple stops here and there because their offense is going to do it. But if their defense can just lock in, and mainly it's going to be guys like Siakam and Aaron Neesmith and Miles Turner, if they can play at an elite level on that end, I think they're going to be very, very good. What do you think they can get as far as the Eastern Conference playoff picture is concerned? I, I have been a little bit backed off on this. I, I expect a lot. I just don't know if they can get as high as some people suggest they believe they can what do you think their destination is going to be? If they continue to play, continue to play together, stay, I guess, relatively healthy would be the phrase right here. Where can they get ultimately in this Eastern Conference at the end of the regular season? Yeah, I would lean more towards they just barely avoid the plan. So I would lean around the five or six seed, right. which would get them a great matchup. It would have allowed them to avoid the play-in tournament, probably play against team like Miami in the first round as a three-seed or potentially the New York Knicks who are playing very fantastic ball lately. I think a matchup against one of those two teams seems like the most plausible scenario right now. And just with the way Tyrese Halburn's been in and out of the lineup, you have to wonder with injuries if he's going to be limited just to help himself out the next couple of weeks. I think it's going to probably be more conservative on the Pacers' part to keep him healthy throughout the rest of the season. So I'd probably lean towards him getting around 45, 46 wins, get around the sixth seed, and have a pretty favorable matchup, I'd say, against a team like a Cleveland or a New York in the first round. Evan Sider again, Forbes Sports, and again, writes regarding the NBAs on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, so we both believe that the Pacers are done prior to uh, next Thursday's NBA trade deadline. What else might happen? Who else is out there? Who else may be making some moves as we move forward to that hardline date? Yeah, I think a lot of people now are focusing back on the Golden State Warriors and what's going to happen there. I know Sham Sharania put out yesterday that the Warriors could be listening to trade offers on Chris Paul, potentially even Clay Thompson on top of that. But Andrew Wiggins seemed like the most likely player that's going to be moved on their team. He's been very inconsistent throughout this season. He's on a, a big contract, too, for another three and a half years after the trade deadline. So I think he's probably going to be the player that's moved the most likely that's on the list. I, I know Zach Levine's been pulled out there a lot, but I still think the market's there for the Bulls to get off Zach Levine and that huge contract he has. So I honestly think the Pacers' big move with Pascal Siakam and mix with OG Ananobi, I think those are probably the two big size of moves that we've seen at this trade deadline. And maybe at the deadline we might, might see more of the small, smaller moves, like role players get moved off of bad teams for smaller types of deals. I think that's probably what you're going to see. Teams like the Hornets, the Wizards, the Trailblazers, the teams are going to be selling pretty high on veterans, like a Malcolm Brogdon, for example, in Portland. Those are the teams you got to watch out for and, and guys that are probably going to be on the move. So Evan Sider, who joins us, too, uh, I'm brought up 
Aaron Neesmith a little bit earlier. When you look back at the value the Pacers got in that particular deal, how much of a steal now, considering his value to this Pacer team and their success, how much of a steal does that look like? Oh, I think right when it happened, before this Neesmith break, I just knew if he's just a 40% three-point shooter, if he's just aggressive on defense as he's been, that's going to be one of the better value contracts in the NBA in a couple of years. But already showing it before the extension kicks in, John, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA at 46.5%. We've seen his bulldog defense the last two years in Indiana. He's, I think, easily one of the more underrated defenders in the NBA. And this is fit with, in the system for Rick Carlisle. It just fits like a glove for him. So I do think it's going to be one of the best value contracts in the league. And he's, I think he's proven cemented himself. I don't know about you, John, but I would be very hard-pressed for the, the Pacers to go find another upgrade over Aaron Neesmith. I'm very high on his potential. I think he's probably locked into just starting small forward in the future. I, I think the way he's played, uh, I'm right there. Yeah, I, I gave him lots of props a little bit earlier. He just he, – he does everything, and a little bit of everything, and it's always like something every night, and it may not jump off the stat sheet for you. But you normally you look at him and he's doing something major when this team wins to help this team get to that point. Oh, absolutely. And you look back on that trade now, John, where they got Neesmith in that Malcolm Brogdon trade. And that one first-round pick they got from Boston, they actually used to trade with the Nuggets on draft night to get the pick they used for Pascal Siakam. So that Malcolm Brogdon trade, looking back on now, it's the, the, the little pieces off of it. You get Aaron Neesmith, potentially your starting small forward of the future, and a superstar in Pascal Siakam on top of that. Uh, it just goes to show, I think, just the shrewdness of Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan in that front office. They haven't lost on a trade, I don't think, ever. And that kind of move to get a guy like Aaron Neesmith, who you believe in, who you think can develop in this right program with Rick Carlisle, it's a good success story for the Pacers where they can really show they can develop this young talent in Neesmith Blake, example. He is uh, Evan Sidery, uh, writes regarding the NBA, of course. A standalone for the Pacers tonight. Just on TNT, there's no ballet, so Chris and Quinn and J.J. have the night off to watch in Boston this evening. But there's, again, no, no ballet tonight. It's on TNT. Pacers-Celtics, and then you get the 76ers and the Warriors. You brought up, prior to the trade deadline, the Warriors. I'm assuming Bob Myers knew – what was coming down the road here, Adam, is the reason why he stepped away. I think Mike Dunleavy Jr. is the guy that runs the show now in Golden State. Is that how we view it? So you go from that spot to ESPN because you knew kind of what was coming down the road on this? I would say so. And I, I think now with the position he's in, I think he just accepted the consulting role with the commanders too. So he even got a bigger payday off of that now and going to the NFL. And I think he just kind of knew the writing was on the wall with this Golden State team. I think we saw the peak of them on that championship run. And, it, I mean, every player, what, what any sport, age is going to catch up to you at some point. But the way that Klay Thompson's played lately this season, same with Draymond Green, it's sad to watch just the basketball fan because those guys definitely aren't the same. But Father Time never loses. And Steph Curry and that team, they're 19-24 and 24 now, don't have a lot of assets to play with either. They're going to have to make some sort of rabbit out of their hat move at the deadline here, or they're going to be probably – going down further and further into their, into their stretch. So the Celtics had to play it out heavily last night in that win against the Pelicans in the second of a back-to-back tonight. They have any injury concerns to speak of? I'm assuming Porzingis might be one of them, but anything you have seen as far as more than likely participating or not tonight against the Pacers? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Al Horford is out tonight. He's sitting out the second night of back-to-back. Porzingis is questionable, so I would not be shocked if he sits out too. And if that's the case, that's going to be a big night for guys like Siakam and Miles Turner. And the Pacers have the rest advantage, of course, too, with that back-to-back they just played. So 
I actually like the Pacers' chances tonight. If Halliburton can be just even 90% of himself and just not get injured again, I think this Pacers team has a good shot of winning this game tonight and kind of stealing on a big spotlight game for them on TNT. They're only one of the year which I think is just a crime in itself, honestly. They get the Knicks coming up on Thursday at Madison Square Garden. How long is Julius Randle going to be out? So Randle's going to be out, I believe, for at minimum two to three weeks. And then the Knicks announced he's going to be reevaluated after that time. Big loss for New York. Obviously, Randle's a great scorer, but getting OG Ananobi in there, or Jalen Brunson playing at the level he is, that Knicks team, they, they've been very legit. They're going to be a really tough team to watch out for. All right, Evan, what you're writing about as we approach the NBA trade deadline? Just going to be talking about deadline targets, honestly, John. Looking at other teams, might even write about Buddy Heald and if the Pacers want to use his contract. But I, after listening to Chad Buchanan and Rick on the shows the last couple of days, I imagine that's not going to be the case. But it's always good to explore those options. So probably just more trade deadline coverage coming for myself over the next couple of weeks. You got it, Evan. As always, it is a pleasure. Thank you for the call. Absolutely, John. Anytime. Appreciate it. Evan Sidery, Forbes Sports. Used to be Basketball News. SB Nation keeps track of what's going on in the NBA. And he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline today. Yeah, things are going to be interesting. There's always that as long as they remain healthy. But that was the feel I got yesterday when Chad Buchanan was telling us their thoughts on already making that big deal and maybe just sitting back and watching as we approach the NBA trade deadline next week. And my thought was, even with the expiring contracts, Don't we all want to see this thing a little bit here? See how it works out? Speaking of seeing how it works out, this was just announced as I was talking to uh, Evan Sidery. For the Pro Bowl this weekend, right down in Orlando, Gardner Minshew, Colts quarterback, is now a Pro Bowler. True story, a pro bowler as an alternate. That is uh, truly unbelievable. I wonder what the escalator is or bonus he's going to get for being as a part of the Pro Bowl. Gardner Minshew, Colts quarterback. Now, before you go, oh, my goodness, what is that? We've all heard it before to the point where it just kind of wears you out. I think Tyler Huntley, right, of the Ravens, was in the Pro Bowl a year ago. So, yeah, before you take that particular path, just understand that we're all pretty much aware of it. But, I mean, good for him. There's got to be a bonus in there somewhere. You guys are all asking me, so now does that raise his price tag? Is it going to make it more difficult to bring him back? Again, I think the only way that it is going to be significantly difficult to bring him back, which I will sit here and tell you they need to do, especially knowing their situation, the only way to me that you just go, yeah, there's going to be no number that we can catch up with is if he starts someplace else. Or, I take that back, if he believes he can start someplace else. So that's like two-prong. If a team says, yeah, you know what, we like you, and we got a, you know, kind of a gap season here, as a starter or believes that he can compete as a starter. Now, you could make the argument here, we haven't seen five minutes of health from Anthony Richardson. So to me, you got to make sure you have somebody that's good. 
I'm not expecting him to be injured. I'm not suggesting he's going to be injured. I am just going by what you saw this year. In this day and age, it's not like when you had Manning and you thought, all right, well, there's the backup quarterback, and if he has to enter the game, then all is lost. We're all screwed. It's FUBAR. What you have to have now, especially coming off the year, the backup quarterback is somebody that is significant, especially if you're going to have your quarterback running all over the place. When he's going to run all over the property, and I know everybody says the good thing, well, he's going to learn and understand how to take hits and be safe, be more cautious. Again, you're not going to know anything until November. When it gets to be November, then if it's for the good, we can say, yep, see, what you guys talked about last year, you're right. Or if it's on the other side, we'll say something opposite. But in the meantime, you have to make sure you cover your ass. And you can say what you want about Gardner Minshew. You can say what you want about the Pro Bowl. It does not matter. He was significant in that capacity this year. And I know I know the schedule, the toughness of that is going to be escalated. I completely understand. I just don't know right now of a better option out there who has been through it, who has done it, who has worked with everybody here, i.e., I don't know anybody else that would make more sense than him next year. And the only thing that would hold him back would be more money, more opportunity, a combination of both. Sure, you're not going to know about the starter here. We will make we will make that announcement of who he is and where he is and how he is, that of Anthony Richardson in November. Can't make that announcement right now because you just don't know. Jeremiah says, let me get back to it, because Minshew has been named to the flag football team means he's worth more money. <laughs> Now, listen, he's worth he's worth the time and the effort here. I don't know what he's worth anyplace else, but I think we know he's worth it here. You know, say what you want about his play, but he is worth it here. Give me a better option, I guess. If you give me a better option, I'll go with it. I don't know what the hell the better option is right now. I'm just telling you, if you put me on the spot right now, I would want him coming back because you don't know if your guy is going to be able to stay out there. Nobody knows that. You could tell me you do, but you don't. Damon says the Pro Bowl 2023 last year, that's 88K. 88K for the winner, 44K for the loser. I'm in. I'd be in for winning or losing in that. You imagine Gardner mentioned they just said, hey, at the very least, you're going to make. $44,000. I'll take it. For me, at the very least, you're going to make $44. I'll take it. All would fall in that category. It's from Jason. Hey, JMV, you, Andy, Kevin, Query, and Schultz can reenact the GQ cover for the 10 year reunion. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Tony East has tweeted this. Pacers guard Benedict Matherin will be participating in the Rising Stars Challenge 
at All-Star Weekend. He was one of the sophomores selected. Uh, yeah, if you remember correctly, Matherin participated in that event a year ago. Let's see who he is with here. Yeah. Uh, Bancaro, Dyson Daniels, Jaden Ivey, Walker Kessler, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Jabari Smith. Um, one of the Jalen Williams with the Thunder. <laughs> and Benedict Mather. Yeah, that's the Rising Stars Challenge All-Star Weekend right here. And he will be a part of that. It's well done. So, in the AFC, does this sound odd at all? Is this awkward? Have you seen the the quarterbacks, I guess? Are the quarterbacks playing? For the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Look up the quarterbacks. Is it Hurts, Stroud, Tua, and Minshew? That sounds right. Is it more than that? How many do they have playing? I don't even know. How many do they have playing? I'm not sure how many they have playing or how (laughs) how many they have on the roster. (laughs) Just take it, baby. Take it. I think it is. It's Jalen Hurts, C.J. Stroud. Who else I mentioned there? Oh, Tua. I mentioned you. There you go. Gardner Minshew. Hey, listen, things may change dramatically to where somebody else makes sense. I'm just talking about sitting here in the now and what makes sense. Um, It does. I just, again, you're going to have to see participation and see the health game to game to game. And I put that timetable up next year regarding Anthony Richardson. You will feel much better about it, for example solidly about it if he continues to participate once we get into November. Otherwise, you're not. That's uh, from Chad. I knew we were toast the second that GQ cover came out with the Pacers in their Shanana outfit. <laughs> you don't know what Shanana... Actually, Shanana was the worst. It was the absolute worst. It was a uh, television program Help me out here. The late 70s, it was very 50s-based. You know, once once we found out that a lot of this 50s stuff was was kind of cool, I mean, you found out with Happy Days in 1974, you know, Greece, you know, turned into something in 1978, and then all of a sudden you got hit over the head with Shanana and Bowser. Actually, Bowser went on to be a major personality, which is still absolutely flooring to me. Um. Yeah. Did you find the quarterbacks? Who are they? Uh, the quarterbacks. It is Tua, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. C.J. Stroud, and Gardner Minshew. Uh, Stroud and and Minshew are alternates. So it's the three starters would have been Tua, Lamar, yeah. and Patrick. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Congratulations to Gardner Minshew. Get some cash. At least forty four k. Maybe eighty eight k. 
Quick break, we'll come back. Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern back on the show coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. you got Northwestern and Purdue tomorrow. IU and Iowa and Bloomington tonight. The Pacers on the road with the Celtics. We'll keep track of who's going to participate and who may not in Boston later on tonight. And uh, more stuff for you coming up as well. Your chance to win some concert tickets. Third Eye Blind as well before the end of the show. Hey, don't go anywhere. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Bill, I just have one question for you. What color is an orange? Ted, you bonehead. Its color is the same as its name, just like a lemon. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We have a birthday shout-out today. The great Phil Collins, whom I've never seen. You believe that live? Phil Collins is 73 today, everybody. That is one of those right there. I think he's done. I think he's battling health concerns and such, but that is one that I look back and I go, man, how did I never see him? Never saw him on his own. Never saw him with Genesis. Seriously, what a knob. What a knob. It's ridiculous right there. 73 years of age, the great... And I mean the great Phil Collins. That is pretty nice. Never saw him. Uh, that part is too bad. Hey, JMV, I heard you talking about Obi Toppin a little bit earlier today and then on yesterday's show. I would agree with you. I mean, certainly we've seen even more value with him coming off the bench. I just want to see what this team looks like moving forward. I would agree. JV, not sure if you have or you get the Tribune Star, which is in Terre Haute, but if so, you should check out my dad's letter to the editor article about ISU basketball coach Josh Schertz. Definitely worth the read. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, they are excited over in Terre Haute about this. Think about some of the excitement. They had excitement and then kind of you know, screwed things up, obviously, at that regional situation of a year ago. But Mitch Hanna's the baseball team created all that excitement late spring, early summer, kind of playing off of that now. Really, this is as much excitement as we've seen in Terre Haute, certainly about the basketball program in a long time. And we talked to Greg Rakestraw a little bit earlier today. I still will sit here and tell you, and I, Greg kind of carved out a path of what might be able to occur for them to be at least at large thought worthy. What did he say that their net rating right now is around 26, 24, something like that? You just, you got to play it safe with this. You, you can't trust anybody. These selectors. Or the committee. You know how much I feel about committees, any committee. When's the last time you were really happy with any decision a committee made? You put together a committee, you never know what's going to happen. So what you have to do is you just have to win. You've got to win your conference tournament, and that's going to be difficult. Belmont coming up tomorrow night for Indiana State. That's down in Nashville. And then Drake on Saturday, which should be another, much like last Saturday night when they took on Bradley, another off-the-wall, awesome Holman Center. But, yeah, you can't mess with it. 
And when you look at the Missouri Valley, and from the teams I have seen, obviously Drake is pretty good. Bradley's pretty good. Southern Illinois is pretty good. Doesn't get a lot of hype. Look what Southern Illinois lost last year. That backcourt. But those are four at the top, including Indiana State, which is going to be very tough. See if they're good to go. Hey, Jamie, come on. I saw Shauna Knott Market Square Arena when I was in second grade. Like you're in third grade. Yeah, I can do it. All that 50 stuff. I was not a fan, but that was a good reference, though, by the way. Hey, JMV, those shoes that you're going to give away to the NBA Jam winner coming up on Thursday at back nine are those Hakeem Olajuwon Etonic. <laughs> the Hakeem Olajuwon Signature Etonic shoe. Anybody ever have those on? It's like if you wrap barbed wire around your feet and went out and ran. The worst feeling shoe of all time. Anybody ever have the Olajuwon Etonics? Man, oh, man. They look good, and he looked like he could really play. You could do the dream shake in those things, but, man, they were awful to wear. They may have been the most uncomfortable ever. Gardner Menchu named alternate for the Pro Bowl. Hours after two teammates made the AFC roster as well. Of course, it's Gardner Menchu. He's going to get 44K out of this. That's good. Uh, Ryan Kelly and DeForest Buckner also added to the AFC roster as alternates. And uh, Quentin Nelson already down in Orlando as he will be the uh, starting guard in his sixth consecutive Pro Bowl. Gardner Minshew today. Yeah, the Atonics were brutal. (laughs) Thank you very much. Hey, JV, I heard you talking about Aaron Neesmith a little bit earlier, and I could not agree more. Of all the Pacer players, he, to me, is the biggest surprise slash, to me, most interesting guy to watch because he does so many different things. Now, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on what he does and his value to this team on both ends. It is hard to see them win and win games consistently without him doing something. You know, maybe it's scoring. You know, maybe it's defense. Maybe it's rebounding. There's always something. He was always in the mix. And and the best part about it, and this goes along with the makeup of this team, they go absolutely pedal to the metal the entire time. And we have seen, for example, against Milwaukee, we have seen a team like Milwaukee – They run out of gas toward the end because along with these young guys and the young legs, they are deep at those positions in which everybody comes in and everybody runs. I've said this all along. You can get better defensively. You're not going to get a lot better defensively. You can get better defensively. But what you cannot lose sight of is what you do offensively. Because creating that track meet type of atmosphere, and we have seen these these teams that are older, more experienced, however you want to describe it, 
That has been a big key for the Pacers. Has been and I think will continue to be. Again, you want to continue to improve defensively, which they have. But you cannot lose sight at all of what you do offensively. Because that, that to me, is what's going to get you beat. You, you can maintain offensively. You're just not going to get a lot better defensively. So the best that you can, late game stops, but continue to score the ball offensively as what has become normalcy. That is the big key. Hey, JMV, are you kidding me? So the Colts couldn't make the playoffs with a Pro Bowl quarterback. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed, they did not. Hey, Tammy, you forgot about one other birthday of note today. Actor Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, Norman Dale's 94 today. 94. Big day. Uh, Jamie Nelson is starting guard in the Pro Bowl. Isn't that just a flag football game now? What will they be doing, standing in place? Making a little bit more cash, I guess, right there, Corbin. Hey, nothing could be more uncomfortable than D. Brown's Reebok Pump Classics. Let me tell you this, Rex. Have you ever slapped on a pair of uh, Olajuwon's Etonics? Yes. Like, I don't know. I've never had British Knights on. I, I can imagine those suck too. But nothing, and I mean nothing, more uncomfortable to ever play basketball than the Olajuwon Signature Etonics. I don't think, not even the Dominique Wilkins Brooks. An absolute brutality. Don't want it. Hey, quick one, we'll come back. Top of the hour, Brooks Barnheiser, Northwestern. Nice run right now. Northwestern gets Purdue. Homecoming of sorts for Brooks, who attended Lafayette, Jeff. Northwestern and Purdue tomorrow night. By the way, Matt Painter joins me on Thursday. Head coach of the Boilermakers, Matt Painter, on this show coming up on Thursday. Dusty May of Florida Atlantic on the show coming up tomorrow. Meantime, Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern, the junior, joins us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Third Eye Blind tickets as well. And your calls at 239-1070 if you want to join me too. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. I apologize. I have yet to jump in there. I will during this break to see what's going on. That's the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Everybody freeze. Everybody down on the ground. Well, which is it, young feller? You want I should freeze or get down on the ground? If I freeze, I can't rightly drop. And if I drop, I'm going to be in motion. You see? Shut up! Okay, then. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Brooks Barnheiser, top of the hour. Brooks from Northwestern. I did not have the opportunity to get into this at all. I saw where Tom Deanhart, Golden Black, had reposted this. From uh, Steve Greenberg, sports columnist for the Sun-Times. The Big Ten's greatest men's basketball player of the last 30 years, question mark. That's easy. It's Purdue's Zach Eady. But who are the next 10? Bicker if you must. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and repost that as well. I want to have you guys bicker. (laughs) You'll bicker. I haven't had a chance to read it, so I'm not going to 
get into. I know that that's going to cause everybody to lose their crap right here. You can bicker for the sake of the show if you want to right here. Again, I'll I'll read that, I'm sure, and then the others will probably respond to it. I don't happen to know who Steve is, but I do trust Tom Deanhart. Tom Deanhart's always really good on the show. Benedict Mather, as I mentioned, a sophomore in the Rising Stars game coming up for NBA All-Star Weekend. Oscar Shibway named to the Rising Stars All-Star Weekend as well. So Oscar Shibway is going to be a part of that. I mentioned Benedict Matherin, one of the 10 sophomores who will take part in the Panini Rising Stars event on All-Star Weekend. That's February the 16th, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Oscar Shibway, who plays for the Pacers and the Mad Ants on a two-way deal, will also take part in the event as one of seven players representing the G League. So Sheboy in for the G League and Matherin in as a sophomore. Uh, you guys aren't bickering as of yet. <laughs> hey, by the way, the news of today is Gardner Minshew, Colts quarterback, 2024 Pro Bowler. He has been named as of today as an alternate, much like a couple of teammates a little bit earlier, one being center Ryan Kelly, the other being from the defensive line, DeForest Buckner. Uh, Quentin Nelson previously was named a starter. So at the very least, Gardner Minshew, as a loser in the Pro Bowl, you get $44,000 at the very least. He's going to get a nice payday of $44,000, maybe even eighty-eight if he's a member of the winning team. The Panini Rising Stars honorary head coaches. You guys ready for this? The honorary head coaches, Tamika Catchings, Jalen Rose, Pau Gasol, and Detlef Shrimp. For that coming up here in Indy. Again, that's February the 16th at 9 o'clock. The honorary head coaches, Tamika Catchings, Jalen Rose, Pau Gasol, and Detlef Shrimp. It was interesting talking about trades around here. Detlef Shrimp was a really good player, really good player. But what many believe that really transformed this Pacer team back in the 90s when they became that 90s team that ultimately ended up in the year 2000 in the NBA Finals was that trade that the Pacers pulled off, Detlef Shrimp for Derek McKee. Derek McKee, 6'11", more of an all-around, certainly a defensive aspect that Detlef did not bring to the table. We got to get that. See if we can get that with shrimp on here too. I've not. I've had him on before. James is looking at me like he has no idea who I'm talking about, which is never good. Say the name again. Detlef Shrimp. I. There it is. I thought is, are you, is his look, last name Shrimp? Look, no. <laughs> no. Are right, you talking uh, about on, food? On, honestly, honestly. Is this? Am I just too damn old here? Is that what that is? Nothing against James. James is much younger than me, but am I just too damn old? I I, I would not. 
I would not suggest that you would know who we're talking about. Because rarely are we on the same page with things we're talking about. But you, you, you have never heard of Detlef Shrimp. I, uh, until today, I have not ever heard that name, no. Well, okay, get him, get him on. <laughs> He's actually been on the show before. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> okay, I, I, uh, I try to relate and connect with the younger generation as much as possible, but sometimes it just it feels like such an incredible uphill battle. And here's part of the thing, too. I know that people like James in his age group, his generation, they're going to be introduced to a lot of these names on NBA All-Star Weekend here in Indy that they've never heard of that we absolutely love. Like I, I get a feeling that James probably doesn't know Derek McKee either. That name sounds more familiar, but I can't tell you off the top of my head who he is. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, we need. Uh, Matt Painter's response to his guard, Braden Smith, being off the Bob Cousy Award candidate for guards watch list. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, among those names, Boo Booey of Northwestern, one of those. His teammate, Brooks Barnheiser, is going to join me coming up on the other side. <laughs> say that name again. Did you say shrimp? Detlef Shrimp. Yes, exactly is what I said right there. <laughs> Quick break. We'll come back. Brooks going to join us on the other side. Purdue Northwestern tomorrow night. you got IU, Iowa, and Bloomington tonight. You've got the Pacers and the Celtics in Boston this evening as well. Detlef Shrimp. Let's all teach James a little bit of something right here. All right, here's one more. Rick Smits. I think I have heard of that name before. Michael Gigi just said if he hadn't heard of Rick Smits, fire him. Now, Gigi, will that will that suffice? I think I have heard of him before. And Robbie B is triggered. We got triggered people right now. I think I've heard of Rick Smith's before. I believe I've heard of Derek McKee. I have no idea who Detless Shrimp might be. <laughs> Shout out to James. Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern. I hope you know who he is because he's going to call here. Actually, you call him coming up in a minute. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. A real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, man. Gardner Minshew to the Pro Bowl. At least 44 a K. A little bit of money. Going to go out and party with that if you're Gardner Minshew. Actually, I think Gardner Minshew, because we talked about him so much, should throw a party for us. At least 44 k maybe $88,000. Uh, the Detlef Shrimp with James has got significant feedback so far, <laughs> which is always good. Yeah. And Todd just came in, her executive producer, and said, hey, 31 years ago is when Detlef was here and James is 28. That part is true. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, maybe I'm just sounding incredibly old. Is he not answering? 
He may see that number's kind of whacked out right there, isn't it? I'm going to tell him we're calling right here. Brooks Barnheiser is going to join us in just a second. Oh, wait a minute. He just said, any chance? (laughs) He said, any chance you'd call me at 530? Yeah, I guess there's a chance. Yes, I'll say yes right here. See, the problem is they go from a practice to the bus. Any chance we could do 530? So 530. We'll call him at 530. I'm glad I just saw that. Hey, welcome to our production meeting here, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. My name is John, and that's James, the producer. We've been trying not to make fun of James, the producer. What this does right now, though, if you guys want to go ahead and open things up at 239-1070, I will have time to speak with you before Brooks Barnheiser joins us now at 530. I'm glad I saw that. I have no idea. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, do they see inside the AAA membership lounge, do they see what goes on here during the break, or do you switch that off? Uh, No, it gets switched off. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) I don't know, though. That may be – you guys may have missed out on a great deal of entertainment there. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a pro bowler. He is uh, an alternate. We talked about that a little bit earlier, too. He joins DeForest Buckner and Ryan Kelly, named to the Pro Bowl today, and uh, Quentin Nelson already staked out and ready to go. (laughs) I'm going to have to make a bet here. I'm going to make a bet. What kind of bet do I need to make here? How much is that? Maybe I will make a bet. I'll think about it. Yeah, (laughs) 25-65. I'll I'll make a bet, and the bet is the balance of Blake's lunch bill at Ron Colley. That's what I need to make a bet about. See if James knows whom I'm talking about next. (laughs) Uh, The bet is for $26, which will take care or maybe even escalate the lunch bill of Blake. Uh, This from Patty. My son is now 40, deadlift shrimp was his favorite player. He knew all of his stats, drew pictures, and when he got traded to Seattle, all of a sudden the Sonics became his favorite team. It's very exciting he's coming to town. He's actually been on this show before, and he is very engaging. You guys remember there was a dynamic duo that played together. Detlef Shrimp played at Washington, James. And don't I'm not making fun of you. We're not making fun of you, James. We're just kind of having some fun. He played, and it was a part of a good team in the Pac-10 then, now the Pac-12, dwindling, of a good Washington Huskies team. Detlef, of course, of German heritage. This other player, a center who had a really good college career, not much professionally, was his teammate, also of German heritage. Can you name him? Can I name him? Yes. Uh, Absolutely not. Christian Velp. Spelled Welp, W-E-L-P, but spelled, pronounced much like Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said, you know who Dirk I, I Nowitzki is? I do right. know who James Dirk Nowitzki is. James knows who Dirk Nowitzki is. Um, a lot of people would pronounce it Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that in like See, a Gigi years. says, no, we are absolutely making fun of him. <laughs> I'm trying not to. 
that just show there is a tremendous and really the generation gap that we have between us can be good because he can fill me in on stuff that I wouldn't have any idea about. I mentioned this before. If it's like acid rock or tattoos, man, James is your man right there. <laughs> I know I, I refer to James on either one of those subjects. Heavy metal and tattoos, the two yeah. things that I know about. Metal and tattoos. He's all over it. <laughs> hey, JMV, ask Brooks if he ever was told he looks like <laughs> the gym. Wait a minute. The Jim Carrey character and the cable guy. <laughs> well, yes, that's exactly, Thad, how I'm going to start that out. I think you'll get a kick out of that, though. Yes, that's how I'm going to start it out. Thad says, did anybody ever tell you you look like this? That's pretty good right there. All right, 239-1070. I mentioned we have time prior to Brooks Barnheiser joining us coming up at the bottom of the hour. I swear to you. I'm sorry I'm laughing and you guys are not privy to it. It's not about James. Um, I, I think my mom got her times mixed up because my mom's 79. And when the phone rings, I always answer it because I have no idea what's going on. She lives alone where I grew up. And it. Honestly, it always concerns me, especially if she calls between three and six because she knows normally what's going on. So she calls during the show, and I'm, I probably shouldn't let you in on this, but I will. Um, she calls during the show, and I go to a break, and I go, "Hey, hold on, guys, I need to call. Something's happening here." And I was really worried. I'm concerned, right? She never calls during the show because she knows. And I call, and I go, "Hey, is everything okay? You need anything? What's going on?" And she said, hey, I just talked to this guy that said, you're almost related to Dusty May. I said, okay. (laughs) All righty. So that's going to be told to Dusty May coming up tomorrow. I talked to this guy who told me that you're almost related. And see, that really doesn't surprise me because I'm from Greene County. I'm assuming I'm almost related to everybody. Almost related to every, and actually there are some that probably are related to everybody. I just would not be, I would not be on that related to everybody tier, but I'm not too far off it. It's outstanding. You guys, let's trade lives or like for one week. You guys want to do that? You can trade lives with me. <laughs> Two, three, nine, 10, 70. Fred, five o'clock hour joins us. Hello, Fred. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm fantastic, buddy. I'm living the life. If you cannot tell that I'm living the life, then obviously are, it is not translating well enough because I am living the life. Yes, you are living the life. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to drop in a quick Detlef Shrimp story. Uh, so I had Pacer season tickets at the time that Detlef was on the team, and I go to a game – and Detlef had just gotten traded, and there's some somebody a couple rows in front of me, and they just keep telling, we want Detlef, we want Detlef. And I just go, hey, guy, move to Seattle. <laughs> I know that's, that's not as exciting as it is. Well, that's, a time. that's okay, man. Well, I just I remember this going to the Pacer games back then. Whenever he yeah. scored, 
I want to say, and it may have been Reb. It may have been Reb Porter. I can't remember when when Reb did it to where he ended, and then Grady took over here as the yeah. in-arena announcer. But didn't uh, whoever was the announcer? I'm assuming it was Reb. Didn't he say "death the threat" whenever he scored? Death the threat. <laughs> I believe he did. Uh, it's it's been a couple of years, and death the uh, threat. Death. <laughs> he was not much of a threat things, defensively. He was a legitimate offensive threat, but uh, yeah. defensively not so much. But go ahead. Also, uh, so obviously I had tickets back at the old Market Square Arena, and I was underneath the sixth floor, so I was kind of tucked in the corner. I could yell at the referees, and they could definitely hear me. <laughs> so uh, whenever – we had Jess Kersey. Yep. That man did not get any rest from me. Well, that's good because he, he was the author of the worst call in the history of the Pacer franchise. Oh, he he had it in for the Pacers for some reason. I don't know if it was NBA rules or whatever. Because at the time, the Pacers they just never <laughs> caught a break. No, no I think I think about that. Everybody always brings up that's the worst call in Pacer history with, with with short-term memory, the Oladipo, the Oladipo against the Cavaliers. Remember, I think it was game five right there, right? The uh, goal 10 that wasn't called against LeBron oh, James. Yeah. But the worst and was the four-point play with Larry Johnson is by Four far play, the yeah. worst call in Pacers history authored by Jess Kersey. No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, Rick Spence, he'd always start out the game all nice and cheery, but at the end, at the end of the game, man, that guy was beat up. He had bruises all over him, all red, black and blue. It was terrible. No, by the way, too, uh, NBA Jam combination is Reggie Miller yeah. and Detlef Shrimp. So that's a pretty good NBA Jam combo that you guys can play at back nine with me coming up on Thursday with Michelob Ultra. So be there. Fred, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, bud. You call anytime. My mom now is getting a lot of run. That's good. Hey, by the way, if any of you ever run into her, never tell her that I use her on the show like this. She would definitely not understand. Rex writes, I think we need a weekly segment with your mom. Holy God, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! On the show, like Letterman and his mom. Man, I love her. And I listen, when she calls, I got to call her right back because I just don't know. I do not know. I'm it. Only child I am it. So it freaks me out when I call her. She said, hey, I know you're doing the show right now, but you know some guy just told me that you were almost related to Dusty May. JMV, if you're almost related to Dusty May, does that mean you're almost from Jasonville? Hey, listen, we're from Greene County, so I'm almost from Jasonville. You're almost from Bloomfield. We're all almost from Worthington. That's how it works. That's how it works. (laughs) Jeff says, does James know who Sarunas Yesikavishes is? No. There's no chance of that. I saw someone on the YouTube stream asked if I knew who Reggie Miller was. <laughs> yes, you do know who I, I do. Miller yes, is. I do know who Reggie Miller oh my is. God, my mom on here in a weekly spot. I just, ugh. 
But I got to answer, though, right? I mean, wouldn't you guys do the same thing? Seriously, I went to break early. So I go, man, this is weird. I mean, I call every day. I try to be as good as possible. And I, I make sure that the kids call. Hey, you need to call and see what's up. But that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But at least it's a good, funny story. For sure. Brooks Barnheiser, bottom of the hour. The Pacers and Celtics coming up later on tonight from Boston. You get IU and Iowa down in Bloomington later on this evening as well. Uh, Garrett's next at 239-1070. Hey, Garrett, welcome to the show. How are you? What's going on, JMV? How you doing, Garrett? Good. Do you think Dudas will open up the gym on Sunday or what? Garrett, dude. What are we going to do with these young guys, man? Seriously. I don't know. I can't I mean, hang with them anymore, but it's still nice to get out and run well, every once in a while. They, they go out on Saturday night, and they drink four or five White Claws, and then they're so hungover from that being lightweight, they can't play the next day. What the yeah. hell, Garrett? Seriously, man. Uh, might as well be drinking Zumas, I guess. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I get that every – you know, I send, I just – I take – no prison like Mark Barnheiser would make me I'd be passed out on somebody's floor in Bloomington and he would call my phone until I was up and ready to play full court two on two best of 11 when it's 95 degrees inside the Bloomington Hyper building I mean he took no prisoners on me so I'm not going to take any prisoners with these guys I expect them to get their asses up get the keys going and let us in so we can play yes my oh man I mean if I mean, we were expected to go to those open gyms, and if, if we didn't, yes. good luck making the team. I remember mean, how uh, remember how non-mandatory or voluntary that that was? Well, there was no voluntary. There was nothing voluntary about it. If your ass wasn't there, you were in trouble. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the reason I'm calling with Brooks coming on is I remember some, it was going into my freshman year at Perry. We had a summer basketball camp workout. And Brooks is sitting there up against one of the pads underneath the basket on a coloring book. And he went to the bathroom in his diaper. I think he was like two, <laughs> two and a half, maybe three. And Barnheiser stopped practice and chewed him out all the way to the bathroom about sitting there on his coloring book and going potty in his diaper. All right. And I'm wondering if that intensity, you know, just ever, ever cut out, you know, because it had to have a – well big part of his growth and the success he's having. Here's what we've seen, and this is both because both Brooks and his brother Braxton, who plays at Rollins, are incredible, incredibly good kids, and they got, they're well-balanced. They got a great balance from dad and mom, and that's what you're looking for right there. So yeah, that part, Garrett, 100%. is very true. Great balance. So Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, that's well, great. That, that was a great – I don't know if I'll bring that one up, so – <laughs> but it is, it is a it is a good story. But you could tell, you could tell that. And I've I always had like to me, Mark Barnheiser is at the very top of the list of great coaches of this state in history. I, and I know we're not talking about any state titles or anything like that. But there, to me, I have seen very few combinations of being able to cobble together anything making kids into players making kids want it more and clearly that's translated to his own i mean he just he never stopped in making you even if it were because of him wanting more and that was always a very special trait that he had that i wish i would have had 
100%. I mean, I, it was like for me personally, it was, I mean, it was deflating when he left Perry for me. I mean, I was so excited, like, to play for him, to, you know, ready to run through a brick wall. And I know a lot of guys at Perry at the time, you know, I mean, Dominique John was, yeah. you know, a stud, you know, um, you know, and I think Brandon Ray played for him for a little bit. And, you know, it's like guys there, I mean, just excelled so well under him. And, uh, yeah, it was deflating for me personally because I was so excited to play for him. But you can definitely see the the mold that Barnheiser put through guys in uh, Brooks. Like yeah. just watching his game, I see – Barnheiser, Mark Barnheiser, all over. I, I agree. Incredible to watch. Yeah, as a player, he moves, he moves faster and quicker and more athletic. But the the moves, you're right. You can see his dad in him, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that. Get those guys fired up. Get Dudas. I know we're talking about Southport and not Perry here, but get Dudas fired up, man. He's got those keys. He's got to open that place up. There was some kind of wrestling thing going on, I guess, this past week. Was the excuse? Yeah. Yeah, that's we got to get through that. Let's have, have, have big old dude as we'll have him out there removing the mats. Got so, it. You got it. Hey, yeah. good to hear from you, Garrett. We'll see you again soon. All right, see you, Jamie. Uh, I always admired that more than even, uh, the the ability to motivate under any circumstances, which also will always rub. And I'm not just talking about this particular generation, but any generation the wrong way. But understanding. You know, what's going on? And then to look back, you know, we'll have Dusty May on tomorrow. And that's something that he was taught. Because obviously he played for Mark where I grew up down at Eastern. And that that is a quality trait. Getting more out of somebody who didn't think that there was more to offer in the first place. That is what to me. That is one of the qualities of a coach that I absolutely love. And you know, I, I come by it honestly too because, um, and, and it's no offense to anybody. It's just me. I was like the king of half-assing it, and I wish that somebody would have said, "Hey, numb nuts here. Can you know? <laughs> these girls don't like you. Get off the phone. You'll have plenty of time to party later on." Can you focus a little bit more on this or really get into me? And you know, I, I didn't really – I didn't benefit from that. I have a great deal of admiration for coaches. I know that there are a lot of coaches like that too. I, I have a, a high level of appreciation for a lot that goes into that, especially in this era. This era where, I mean, just one thing you say can absolutely unravel your career, your standing, no matter what you do. You get on the wrong side of one parent that's on a board. I can't imagine in doing it. But with so many, you see the end result of what could have been and what it turned out to be. And there are a lot of examples of that. I love seeing that. Just is. See the raw, the ability, but then you transform, you know, that player into something that that even that player I never thought they had has always been really special for me. Uh, Randy's at 239-1070. Randy, welcome to the show. Hey, John. How are you today? Randy, I'm outstanding. Thank you for the call. Hey, what a great time to be a Pacer fan, man. I am a season ticket holder, however, not this year. But I tell you, between Kevin Pritchard and uh, 
the players that they have, I said at the beginning of the year, they're going to run people out of the gym. They're just so deep. They basically have two starting fives, and they're a team that nobody's going to want to play in a five- or seven-game series, I have to believe, particularly these teams are getting up in age and and that kind of thing. But uh, big series tonight, 2-2 two to two right now with the Celtics. I don't know if Perzingis is playing again tonight or not, but it's going to be electric in there. Yeah. And, uh, Man, so signature moments, too. And so far, you're talking about these games. I mean, the Celtics beat them by 50 early on in the season in Boston. And then the Pacers counter that that opportunity in the in-season tournament on that Monday night that really was. It was that signature game of the season so far. And and what then, the Halliburton injury that they survived and got a win? I mean, yeah, just the the games. You think about Milwaukee winning four or five, but Boston in this series so far is right up there with the most memorable moments for the Pacers so far this year. Absolutely. And I tell you the other thing to me that's incredible is the the growth of Nemhart. I mean, the job he's doing in Halliburg, um, his absence, uh, Smith, and also Naismith. The way those guys have matured and fit together like a glove, I mean, there's never been a better time to be a Pacer fan in my mind. And uh, I'll get off the phone let you chew that a little bit. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, it's great. I love the show. Keep up the great work. Randy, thank you very much. Listen, I know that I got off on a little bit of a coaching tangent right there. My apologies. Sometimes I'll do that. But I I do that when things are so incredibly meaningful to me. And that that coaching thing, that's what it is. I I do I wish I we all wish, right, in our own way, that we could have had a do over. We could do something differently. I mean, so many aspects of our life, but that is one. You know, why couldn't I recognize that before it was too late to recognize that? And to have somebody get your attention when you're asleep at the wheel in that category and and move you to a different level in which you didn't thought you were going to be, that was always special to me. You know, Randy had mentioned you get the Pacers and the Celtics later on tonight. Celtics playing off a second of a back-to-back where they had to work to get a win over New Orleans last night. Obviously, Tatum and Brown. The Pacers recently, and I haven't seen the stats, but just the feel of it, it feels like that their rebounding is better, which had been a struggle. And when you're playing any good team, especially on the road, you know, back-to-back or not, you have to stay away from giving away the ball. Now, see if these guys are a little bit heavy in the legs to give it up. Yeah, Pacers, two consecutive on the road tonight. In Boston, Thursday night at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. And again, no Julius Randle, at least for the next couple of weeks with an injury. And then they're back at home coming up on Friday night. Doesn't get any easier. Sacramento coming in here on Friday night. Quick break and we'll come back. Me and you, Third Eye Blind tickets to give away. Evan Sidery a little bit earlier talked NBA. We talked to Greg Rakestraw about a variety of things, including IU Iowa later on tonight. Purdue and Northwestern tomorrow night. And from the Wildcats, Brooks Barnheiser is going to join us. We moved it from 5 until 5.30, but the Lafayette Jeff standout, who's having a fantastic season for Chris Collins and Evanston, Brooks Barnheiser joins us next.
The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, no, now. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic tomorrow. Let's see if my mom will call in. And uh, tell Dusty the news she found out today that we were almost related in Greene County. And then I break the news to my mom that I think we're all almost related in Greene County. <laughs> Dusty May tomorrow. Matt Painter is going to join us, the head coach of the Boilers, coming up on Thursday's show. Back nine with Michelob Ultra NBA Jam. High score NBA Jam at back nine on Thursday advances to the finals where the winner there will receive for free the arcade game NBA Jam and a variety of tickets up front and personal with so many concerts here in Central Central Indiana courtesy of Michelob Ultra. Back nine with our friends at Zinc, Michelob Ultra, and NBA Jam coming up on Thursday show. So I'll see you out there beginning at 3. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is a friend of the show. Family is a friend of the show. A junior having a fantastic year so far, along with his teammates for Chris Collins in Northwestern. Getting the boilers tomorrow night at Macarena in West Lafayette. Brooks Barnheiser joins us. Brooks, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Are you on the bus right now? Yeah. Yes, I am. Who are you sitting next to? I'm sitting next to Boo and Ty. Oh, yeah? Do they know that you're doing an interview in Indy? <laughs> I think, uh, I'm not sure if they do or not. <laughs> do they care? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Not at all. <laughs> Oh, man, we were just talking about you a little bit, too, talking about your dad, because uh, obviously so many fond memories with, uh, you know, growing up and, and being a part of your dad's life as a coach and, uh, you know, playing and stuff. And, and, and like, they just, I mean, all this, this has to be a special type of season. You're having so much success. Your teammates, your team having success. And to be able to, to you know, get your parents up there to watch every game, I'm sure going to watch in West Lafayette coming up tomorrow. This has to be incredibly special this time of year for you right now yeah i mean i think it's been been awesome just kind of seeing uh you know some of my dreams come to a fortune a little bit um uh it's been really cool just to like you know see success uh kind of you know kind of start to creep in at this school because it's mean you know the school means the world to me and the team means the world to me so it's been awesome to just see like uh you know we're kind of building it up brick by brick and you know every kind of day we add another one to you know that foundation that we're building so it's been awesome when would you suggest you with this group turn the corner and expected, no matter who you were playing, expected to win every night? I know you wanted to win every night, for example, when you were a freshman, sophomore, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when did you turn the corner with this group where, you know, whether or not you're in Evanston at Welsh Ryan or you're on the road, the expectation is you come away with the win? Yeah, I think uh, we really turned that corner, uh, I would say, my sophomore year. Just kind of seeing uh, the toughness that that group had, um, you know, regardless of kind of what you said, whether we're at home or on the road, we just kind of not wanted to win. Uh, you know, we kind of like went in there and like, you know, that we kind of wanted and needed to win. Um, you know, and we believed that we could win. That was the biggest thing, just the belief and the, you know, confidence in ourselves that we have a really good team, have a really good group of guys. And uh, I think my sophomore year, it really clicked for us as a team. And we just uh, kind of saw that, you know, hey, on any given night, we can go out here and compete with the best of them. 
So Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern again, Northwestern and Purdue. That is coming up tomorrow. Mac, you're reading West Lafayette. 15 and 5, third in the Big Ten. It kind of feels like you guys are hitting a really good patch right here. I mean, I know on the road at Nebraska, which is tough for everybody, that was a loss. I know on the road at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. tough for everybody, that's a loss. But these last two, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that home game you took care of, Illinois, in the fashion in which you did, and then you know Ohio State, it kind of feels like you guys are hitting a stride at the right time. Is that the same feeling for you? Yeah, you know, I hope so. Um, you know, I definitely feel like that. I think we were uh, really starting to click kind of as a unit and just knowing, uh, getting to like where our identity is. I think it really came, uh, you know, the Illinois game was really good for us, but uh, I don't know if you saw, but like the last game against Ohio State, our defense, just our presence on defense was amazing. Um, you know, our activity on the defensive end, what we try to do, our principles, like we were really back to that. And that's kind of what got us into the tournament last year. So if we compare that with improved offense this year and just keep our defenses, uh, you know, as efficient as, you know, we believe it is. And, you know, we kind of pride ourselves on being the hardest playing team in the country. That's kind of what our saying is. And if we just worry about doing that, then I think that, yeah, like we can hit a really good stride. And I think we're starting to see it right here. And hopefully we can keep it going. Hey, Brooks, what does Chris Collins, your head coach, preach to you? What's on top of the list? Like, for example, just you view him like your dad. I I pretty much know what your dad would say to you at the top Mm -hmm. of the list on his expectations. What's Chris Collins, your head coach at Northwestern, at the top of the list say to you regarding the expectations, what he wants to see out of you at the top of that list? Yeah, I mean, I think what he really just wants to see me uh, do is just kind of, you know, be a leader out there on the court, whether it be, you know, defense, whether it be offense. uh, You know, I I think what he does a really good job um, for me, especially in my eyes, just kind of putting me in positions where I can be successful, whether it be, you know, on defense, taking a, you know, a challenging matchup and, you know, uh, giving us energy on that end, or just be on offense where, you know, he's going to get me, um, you know, in a spot where I could, you know, be a playmaker or be aggressive and try to go be a scorer. So I think that really it's just him kind of telling me to go be me and, uh, you know, play hard and kind of set the, you know, set the tone for our squad because he has that much faith in me. I think that's, you know, what's kind of allowed me to be a little bit uh, successful so far this year. What's he expect more out of you, offensively or defensively? And I'm talking about, you know, individual matchups. I mean, obviously, you know, get boo-booey offensively, but what does he expect Mm -hmm. the most out of you game to game? Which end of the floor? Yeah, I think uh, I would say probably defensively. You know, I think he knows what I can, what uh, you know, I can, and what I'm going to bring on offense, and uh, what I should bring because you know he sees all the time I'm putting on that end, on that end. But I think he really wants me to come out and be, you know, uh, the glue for us on defense, uh, whether it be rebounding or whether it be, you know, we, you know, we switch one through four a lot. So uh, whether it be, uh, you know, taking the challenge on those, uh, you know, when I'm on a guard or I'm on a, you know, a stronger wing, I think he definitely really wants me to come out and uh, set the tone for us defensively because I think he knows that if I do that, offense will take care of itself. It's, uh, Brooks Barnheiser, the junior of Northwestern. It's Northwestern Purdue coming up from Mackey Arena tomorrow night. Brooks, only 15 a game, almost seven rebounds per game. When you were working in the offseason, this is clear to me, you had a lot of things. You were discovering yourself offensively, really both ends of the floor. How hard did you work on getting stronger? Because that seemed to me maybe your major focus this offseason, was it? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I've always kind of been a stronger kid, but uh, really just kind of like to your point, just being strong in uh, like in the game. Like, and what I mean by that is just kind of like you know using my strength uh, to my advantage on defense, using my strength to my advantage on offense, getting to where I want to be, and then on defense, just you know I'm not the you know lightest of foot guy, so 
beating people to their spots when they make a move and just chesting them and you know trying to stay in front of them with using my strength. Yeah, I would say that was a huge part of uh, this off season. I think you hit a, uh, you know the head on the nail. Like I, uh, you know, I got to use my strength to really benefit me because I'm you know not the you know, lightest of foot guys, but um, yeah, definitely was trying to work on that this offseason for sure. What's Boo Booey mean to you and your teammates as the leader of this team? 18 and a half per game and always at the end of games. It seems like he is uncanny with the basketball when you guys need a bucket. Yeah, man, he means the world to us. Um, you know, I think he's the best point guard in the country, and you know, I may be biased, but I think a lot of other people uh, would believe that too. Um, but I don't think what a lot of people see uh, is his playmaking abilities, you know, second to none as well. Um, you know, he's so dangerous with the ball in his hand. He draws a lot of attention. So, uh, you know, he really uh, he sees a lot of different coverages and a lot of different uh, schemes. But, you know, he's always making the right read. I think that's so good, uh, you know, for our squad because, you know, he puts uh, people in position to be really confident with their shots because, you know, they might get a couple open ones and they hit those. You know, now you can hit some more tougher ones because you see the ball go through the basket. So he means the world to us and our team. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I saw like a tweet, you know, somebody was like, man, they should build a statue here for, you know, for what he's done with our program. And, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, what the people think of him up here. And, you know, everything, he's earned all of that because, you know, he means the world to us. Have you seen in Evanston? It says on your court at Welsh Ryan, it says Chicago's Big Ten team. And, I mean, you know this from paying attention. I mean, Northwestern used to be a place where, you know, you get IU, you get Purdue, you get Wisconsin, you get Michigan, Michigan State. There'd be more of those fans supporting their team than there would Northwestern fans. How have you seen that evolve into a really great home court environment for your team? Man, uh, you know, I think you're exactly right. It's almost emotional uh, because I remember my freshman year, it was the uh, arena would be full of 70% of the other team's fans, and we would have maybe 30% for us on a home game. And then, like you know, like that's so uh, demoralizing as a you know as a, a team trying to you know compete in the Big Ten because you know you got to get your home games, you got to get a majority of them at least if you want to be successful and you want to try to make the tournament. So, um, but now I don't know if you've seen or uh, you've heard about it, but man, it, those you know those home games are rocking, and we really have a home court advantage now, and it's 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 awesome, you know, like those uh, fans, the students, and as well as, you know, just like, uh, you know, regular fans that come to the game, uh, I would say that, you know, I think it's about 90% purple now. And, it, you know, yeah, that means yeah. the world to us. Yeah, it, um, let me just say this, Brooks, it is like a 180 compared to what mm-hmm. I remember it to be. I mean, it was. It was where, you know, every IU grad that was in and around the Chicagoland area on a job would go. It'd be like a home away from mm-hmm. home for everybody else, and and it's just not that way anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's awesome. You know, I think you're exactly right. You know, I think we're trying to, um, you know, we're really trying to build something here. I think we've done a good job by it, and uh, you know, we're going to continue to keep building up. And I hope that we still keep those, you know, keeping those fans to come out every night because they mean the world to us. So, Brooke Barnheiser again got uh, junior and the matchup with Purdue. How's it feel? To go back home, obviously Lafayette, Indiana, Lafayette, Jeff is where you start. How does it feel to go back home and play against Matt Painter's team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a great opportunity. You know, I think, um, uh, you know, like they're arguably the best team in the country. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to sweep teams like this. So uh, it's just another really good opportunity for us to go get another, uh, you know, Big Ten road win against the, you know, arguably the best team in the country. So, you know, how could you not be excited? Um, So I think it's awesome. you know, it's a dream come true. You know, a lot. my dad will be able to come. My mom will be able to come. So that will be awesome. Um, so it will be a really fun game. 
know, hopefully we can, you know, go out there and compete. They uh they go to every game, but every game anyway. I think Braxton plays tonight for Rollins, right? Does he not have a game tonight? Yeah, yeah, my brother has a game tonight, so uh, he'll be able to. I'll be able to catch his game on a, on the live stream. Uh, I'm glad it's not you know during my game tomorrow. So yeah, he's playing for Rollins tonight. That been a pretty good fit for him. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, it's been a really good fit. You know, uh, he he loves the game. You know, uh, just like all of us. So he's he's having a lot of fun down there, and uh, he sends me pictures every day. You know, the weather's you know very more favorable down there so it's kind of funny he kind of sees me that i'm in the cold weather and he's in the warm weather but he loves it hey uh i get to go play with uh darmelio and landis tonight you, you want to come down and play with us man i would love <laughs> to you know I, I used to dream of going to those when i was a kid you know you guys would kind of beat up on me when i was a little kid and i would love to go go back now and kind of see what it, what it's like man you get those runs i mean those runs are my dad's favorite thing to talk about still are so I think it's awesome. I love that you guys are still playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ray. Brandon Ray will be a part of it tonight, mm-hmm. too. I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, oh, the squad's going to be there. I, yeah. I, I used to watch Ray, and we never said it out loud because, obviously, if he wanted to, we used to watch Ray would just absolutely tear up Trace. Trace Jackson mm-hmm. Davis all the time. But, <laughs> oh God, but, but Trace was such a good dude. I mean, he, if he wanted to, I mean, he could just rise up and dunk every time. But uh, mm-hmm. it was yeah. it was always fun. Always fun to play. So yeah, those guys would be involved tonight. You're right. Those were those were the good old days right there of uh Man, the good old days. Running yeah, running uh, up and down. You're you're at such a higher level right now. We just watch your game, you know, obviously grow and grow and grow. What's next? What what do you need if there's a a facet of your game right now that you really want to work on and get better. What what would that be? Yeah, you know, I think that's a yeah, it's a tough question because I would love to get better at everything, but if I can just keep defending, you know, I think that uh, if I can keep improving, um, just uh, with, uh, you know, the way I use my body, how I use my body on defensive end, I always think the offense will take care of itself because, you know, you, you can work on offense a lot every day, but uh, defense is really the part that, you know, I think is becoming a, you know, a lost kind of art in our game. And I, I think because, you know, players are getting so much more confident now, so if I can just keep improving defensively, keep rebounding, you know, keep being a force on the other end, and I'm sure the offense will keep taking care of itself. So uh, hopefully I can just keep improving on that end. Do you get any more inspired playing Purdue in Lafayette than you might another game, or do you try to keep it on an, on an even level game to game in which you play? Yeah, yeah. you know, I think I try to just keep it on an even level, you know, because every team is really good. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I think I definitely am going to be super excited to play because they are arguably the best team in the country. You know, I don't think there's any, like, added motivation just because, you know, I live close to there. Um you know, but, uh, you know, it's going to be so fun to just go play against a team of that caliber, you know, with a great coach like Coach Painter, you know, great players, you know, the best player in the country and Edie. Like, it's going to be an awesome, awesome time and an awesome, you know, opportunity to go play. So, you know, whenever I'm playing basketball, you know, I'm in the happiest I can be regardless of who it's against. So, you know, it'll be fun, you know, Wednesday night. How, um, how long have you known Matt Painter? Now, obviously, you, you didn't go. Was Was there ever a thought that maybe you would end up staying at home in Lafayette and playing there, which obviously going to Northwestern was a great call. This has been I really like a glove fit for you, but was there, was there ever maybe some thought you would end up playing at Purdue? Yeah, you know, um, uh, my dad, I think, knows Matt pretty well. Um, I remember my dad spoke at one of Matt's um, coaches clinics. Uh, I, I know that they're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty good friends, but, you know, I've, I've never really got to know Matt uh, really well. But uh, in my class, um, I know they really needed big, uh, so I, they never really recruited me. But uh, I remember I know they went and got first in Coughlin. Those are two really good players. 
Um, they were in my class, you know, in the same all-star team, and I love those guys. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really know Matt uh, a lot personally. I know my dad does, but, I mean, I, you know, I got nothing but respect for him because he's you know, arguably one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, so uh, I, don't, I, don't, I never really thought, uh, you know, Purdue was never really an option for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I got nothing but respect for the program, and uh, I know he's a great guy and a great coach. Yeah, no doubt about that, too. And, uh, yeah, listen, what I said, you, your fit is right there. What a great fit yeah, for you. I mean, yeah, you, you can man, just you can just see your game evolving, mm-hmm. getting better, understanding, and uh, it's cool to watch, man. I mean, it really is. Man, Bet- between uh, between watching you play for Northwestern, which we do every night, and uh, watching yeah. Dusty coach down at Florida Atlantic, which we do man, all the that? time. Yeah, yeah, how about that, man? Dusty, that's awesome. I, like, I remember – like, I'm so proud of him. Like, because I remember uh, my dad, like – I remember Dusty hit me up this year, like, just telling me, um, man, to just, like, and it's so cool, like, how small this world is, like, kind of like our, our family kind of expanded, you know, you guys, uh, and, and then Dusty. I mean, how about that? Like, he hit me up on uh, Twitter, and he was like, man, just tell your dad that, like, um, you know, like, uh, you know, I really love him, and, like, I, none of this would be possible without him. So how about that? You know, like, what a great guy, and I'm so proud of him because, you know, like, we all know his story, how hard he worked. Yep. Uh, you know, so we had nothing but utmost respect for him. Yeah, I'm just glad nobody ever called the cops at Eastern when we all played in the mornings. That was good. I'm exactly, glad. exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, go at it tomorrow night. Have a great game. Continued success. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you here further down the road. Tell your mom and dad and your brother we all said hello down here, and we we love watching you play, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, take it easy, Brooks. Thank you very much for the call. Brooks Barnheiser right there, Junior Northwestern on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I didn't bring it up. We didn't have enough time, but I thought that he was going to end up in Florida Atlantic initially. Um, but man, it is just a good fit for him in Northwestern. And it, I know that there are a lot, let's say, for example, around Carmel and Zionsville, um, that know, um, you know, McCutcheon, Lebanon, all those areas that played Lafayette, Jeff, and know and probably played against Brooks when he was in high school. But, man, he does he does try to do it all. He's a joy to watch, and it's been great to watch him grow into uh, what he has become as a junior at Northwestern for Chris Collins' team. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Got concert tickets to give away. We'll lay out tomorrow's show for you coming up next as well. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This, everybody, is Third Eye Blind. Number 9 at 239-1070. We'll be able to uh, go check out Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. Coming up here in Indy. Another great show out at Ruoff. July. I believe Friday, Jay, I checked that. I'm sorry. Uh, July the 6th on Saturday, it is called the uh, Summer Gods Tour. And you're going to get Third Eye Blind as a part of that. Again, 239 1070. Number nine can get those tickets. We're doing that uh, for the latter portions of the week as well. Getting a lot going on later on tonight. Got IU Iowa down in Bloomington. That certainly we'll be talking about coming up on this show tomorrow. You will not want to miss that. Dusty May is going to join me on the show tomorrow. Uh, the news today, 
Gardner Minshew, a pro bowler, as an alternate. So he, DeForest Buckner, Ryan Kelly go as pro bowl alternates. Meantime, Quentin Nelson already there as a starter. Uh, the winner in the Pro Bowl gets $88,000. The loser in the Pro Bowl gets forty-four. So shout out to Gardner Minshew for at least cashing a $44,000 check for that endeavor. Nice. Pacer guard Benedict Matherin participating in the Rising, Sun, or Rising Stars Challenge coming up on All-Star Weekend. Uh, Rising Sun Challenge where you go down to Switzerland County. No, the Rising Stars Challenge at All-Star Weekend. Of course, he played a year ago as a first-year player, and now is playing as a sophomore. And Oscar Sheboy is going to be at a similar event involving the G League players. So that was announced a little bit earlier today as well. Uh, Brooks Barnheiser was really good. Glad you enjoyed that. Brooks Barnheiser, Northwestern, Purdue, coming up tomorrow. Matt Painter will join us, the Boilermaker head coach, this week. That's on Thursday. Matt Painter on Thursday. And we're going to be at the back nine on Thursday as well. Back nine with NBA Jam and Michelob Ultra. We're playing the high score. Gets the Nike Air custom-made courtside Michelob Ultra shoes and then advances to the finals where you could win the NBA Jam arcade game and just a, a monstrous amount of tickets to nearly everything. Concert-wise, spring, summer, fall around here, thanks to Michelob Ultra and our friends at Zinc Thursday. At the back nine, we'll be there playing NBA Jam. I hope to see all of you there. Matt Painter again on the show on Thursday as well. Hey, tomorrow's show, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, will have a reaction to the Pacer game in Boston coming up later on tonight as well. You can hear that game, of course, right here per usual. Again, no Bally broadcast tonight. It is strictly a standalone TNT event on TV for you this evening. My thanks to Greg Rakestraw, Evan Sidery, and Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern. Podcast 107.5thefan.com, the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. As usual, you guys are absolutely thumbs up outstanding, James. Thanks to you as well. Tomorrow back in studio at 3. Don't miss a minute of it. 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Have a great night.